Welcome back, one and all, to a very Yuletide episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake. As always, I am one of your hosts, Dan Ryan, and Dan Ryan means me. Uh, as we are every Christmas, we are joined by a few special guests, but this time it's more than just clowns various. We have a lady here this time, too. Wow! So, Jonathan, do you want to get things started on the introductions first, as you always do? Or? I'm Jonathan Kwiatkowski, and I'm your cheermeister of the season, of mm -hmm. course, and I'm here to introduce some fellow podcast hosts that have joined us every holiday season. Mm -hmm. Of course, we've got a southern breeze coming up from Cuba. <laughs> Who else is here, but Blowing in from Southtown, it's... Hurricane Cuba. <laughs> and who else is to my left? But it's Gabe. That, that means Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> and who else is here but to my left? But coming in from the greatest adventure up to Newark, New Jersey. It's Grant Farouk. Wow. And then for the first time ever. Yeah. Two hundred something episode mark. Explicitly, we have a woman on this podcast. Reveal yourself, Heather. It's a me, Dr. Professor Heather. Oh, wow. A PhD, nonetheless. Yeah. But we all watched two classic Christmas movies on the Classic, classic Christmas movies. <laughs> and quotes. both of these movies are relevant to Christmas. Yes, yeah. in some way, some shape, some form, yes. Well, first and foremost, the first movie of the evening was chosen because it does bring to an end our, our Rankin Bass Christmas tradition. You know, I felt that we reached an end on that. We reached a good peak. There yeah. was no going beyond uh, Monster Party. Mad <laughs> Monster, Monster Party. Party? We uh, Rankin'd, we passed. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready to move we on with our lives. We kissed, we asked, yeah, everything. But it was classic in some yeah. way. And then a second movie, Dan. Um, which, you know, was kind of like a, a childhood favorite of all of ours. I think universally beloved across our generation, really. So we figured uh, it would be a good time as any to do it. Yeah. Uh, and because we had long promised Heather that if she ever uh, guest Came starred back. on this podcast... Yeah. Yeah and the contract worked out, then we would watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And Heather, for you. <laughs> um, but, you know, but first things first, we did watch the Rankin-Bass animated classic, the original animated classic of The Hobbit. And, you know, I gotta bring out the drawing board at this time. Yeah, he's... Just entitled The Shire. Mm. Uh, he's yeah. covered in moon runes. Yeah, moon runes. He's got a little floating crown made of light. Yeah, I gotta bring some information that I imported directly from Wikipedia. <laughs> and neither the listeners or the people at the table Come can on, see what Georgia we're looking and at. Come on, Georgia and Karen. But... Yes, yes. <laughs> but we, we do more than Georgia and Karen. Not hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't I get into some of our tidbits that we have on The Hobbit? Of then? course, yeah. Okay, so of course, The Hobbit is a 1977 American animated musical television special created by Rankin Bass and animated by Topcraft, who we've seen many times on this podcast. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, uh, Orson Bean is Bilbo Baggins. He's an actor. <laughs> so, you know, that's a, big, He's an that's, actor. A big, that's a big thing. He appeared frequently on several televised game shows from the 1960s to the 1980s and was a longtime panelist on the television game show To Tell the Truth, appearing on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson uh, more than 200 times. <laughs> Which, okay. which okay. seems like a high amount to be on the Johnny Carson show. I didn't yeah. think Bilbo Guy was that big of a deal, but, but apparently he is. Apparently it's a classic actor right there. Mm. So uh, We got Richard Boone. <laughs> Sorry, Boone rhymes with something else that we've been 
talking about on this podcast a lot lately. Yeah, who would have guessed? Yeah. <laughs> We've got Smog, who is in over 50 films, most notably Westerns, and Have Gun, Will Travel is his main work. Mm-hmm. Um, Hans Corrid, who is a Thorin Oakenshield. He was known for providing the voices of George Darling and Captain Hook in Walt Disney's Peter Pan. Okay. Um, so, you know, we've seen that before. I oh, and Snidely it. Whiplash. Yep, Snidely Wish- Whiplash in uh, Jay Ward's Dudley Do-Right cartoons, Professor Waldo P. Wigglesworth in Ward's <laughs> Hoppity Hopper cartoons. I really what? hate reading what? these segments sometimes, what? but I, I just want to educate the audience. Do you want me to trade off? Go okay, on. We'll switch off. To uh, John Hudson. John Huston <laughs> um, is the voice of Gandalf and the narrator, and as per all the animated adaptations, Gandalf is scary in this one for <laughs> yeah. some reason. Gandalf just, the grouchy. Yeah, yeah he, he <laughs> has a, a beard and sideburns eyebrow combo that frames his entire face in one continuous line. Uh, and, you know, there's lightning around him a lot. The Ouroboros um. of air. <laughs> it just eats itself over and over again. Uh, but he was a film director, screenwriter, and actor. He wrote the screenplays for almost uh, 37 feature films, uh, which he then directed. Uh, and most of them are considered classics today, such as The Maltese Falcon, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, The, the African, African Queen, Queen. <laughs> uh, 15 Academy Award noms, and two wins. That's a lot of Academy Award noms, just so you know. 15? That's like more than Meryl, yeah. right? Yeah, I you would know. I, I don't. Uh, uh, I don't know. To be in a humble yeah. film like Le Beat. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. Uh, then we have Otto Preminger uh, as the Elven King, <laughs> who I believe would have been. Uh, would that would that have been Lee Pace in the new one? Yes. Okay. Yes, it would. So uh, you know he is. Uh, he directed more than thirty-five feature films in a five-decade career. Uh, after leaving the theater, he first gained attention for the film noir mysteries such as Laura and Fallen Angel. We have to know this information because if we don't know it, we lose it. So there we go. Uh, Cyril Richard as Elrond, uh, classic Peter Pan actor. If you've seen any Broadway adaptation of Peter Pan, Cyril Richard is Captain Hooked, right? Captain Hooked. Captain Hook. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> not Hooked. Uh, okay, so yeah, okay. So you, you even note there's two Captain Hooks in this film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brother Theodore. <laughs> I, I do note, you know, because who takes the notes but me on this podcast. As Gollum, uh, who looks like Littlefoot in this adaptation. I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a German-born American actor and comedian known for his rambling stream of consciousness monologues, which he called stand-up tragedy. Yeah. Like this podcast. <laughs> uh, he was described as... Uh, as Boris Karloff, come on, surrealist Salvador Dali, Nijinsky, and Red Skeleton simultaneously. Wow, yeah. Uh, Paul Fries as Bombor. <laughs> Bombor. I am Troll Bombor. number one. So trolls various then. <laughs> trolls various. Um, various. Trolls various. We've evolved. And you all noted that because uh, we did his voice is iconic. He's been in all of like the Rankin Bass yearly watches we've had so far because yes. he did a lot of voices for them. I am Bombor. <laughs> Uh, Jack DeLeon is Dwalin, Feely, Keely, Oin, Goin, Ori, Nori, Biffer, Buffer, Troll Number Two. Uh, a lot of roles. He was uh, best known for portraying Marty Morrison from 1975 to 82 on the television detective sitcom Barney Miller, which I do actually recommend. It's an old, it's a good old sitcom. Of course you would, wouldn't you? Mike TV yeah. uh, portraying. <laughs> we'll get there. He portrayed one of the first openly gay characters on TV. Yeah. 
Well, then we have Don Messick as Ballin, uh, Goblin, the Lord of the Eagles, who are a point of contention. Uh, <laughs> troll number three. <laughs> We're doing this with so many people that we consider friends that won't consider us friends afterwards. But he did do voices in Scooby-Doo, Bam Bam Rubble. <laughs> what? No, what the fuck? Listen, I tried my best, so I got them all. Oh, Bam Bam Rubble was and, Bam Bam. and Hoppy in the Flintstones. Stones, and if anyone doesn't remember Hoppy, Hoppy that's the weird kangaroo dinosaur that the rubble's See? adopted. Uh, yes, that's yes, why yes. I do it, because Dan fills in the rest. <laughs> the, the, the counterpart to Dino. Uh, he was in the Jetsons, Muttley. Uh, wacky Races. Wacky Races. Yeah. Uh, the Yogi Bear Show. Uh, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> Yogi and the Ranger, yeah. Uh, John Stevenson is Dory Bard the Great Goblin. Uh, tons of other VA work, and Mr. Slate and the Flintstones. Uh, Glenn Yarbrough as the Balladeer, an uh, American folk singer and guitarist. Uh, he was the main lead singer with the Limelighters from 1959 to 63, mm -hmm. and he also had a prolific solo career. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, yes. Then we have a pretty awesome name, Thurl Ravenscroft, uh, as the singing voice of the goblins. Um, <laughs> they do a lot of singing. Uh, he's also, like a lot of other background voices in this, but you may recognize him as being the booming voice behind the Frosted Flakes mascot, Tony the Tiger. Ah! See where I got you there? <laughs> Another Disney Parks legend. Yes. Was yes. also the uncredited vocalist for the song You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, from the classic Christmas Topical Christmas, wow. Christmas, yeah. <laughs> we got there. <laughs> and to Grant's credit, a Haunted Mansion voice guy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. I don't have that, but sure. Yeah. Uh, All the well, knowledge in the world is at trivia. this table. Yes. yes. <laughs> so the film was produced and directed by author Rankin Jr. and Jules Bast of Rankin Bass Productions in New York City, and was adapted for the screen by Romeo Mueller. Uh, with Rankin taking on the additional duties of the production designer. When interviewed for the film, Rankin declared that he would add nothing to the story and that wasn't in the original. Um, the New York Times reported that The Hobbit cost three, $3 million to produce. So <laughs> The way Dan instantly started thinking of ways that it was not the same. <laughs> well, actually... Oh, we'll get to that. Hey, we, gotta, you know, we, got, we got, some, we got yes. some experts on this panel. So. so Rankin always loved the works of Tolkien and was able to make this because The Hobbit was in the public domain at the time. Uh, the Hobbit was animated by Topcraft in Tokyo, a now defunct Japanese animation studio whose animation team reformed as Studio Chihibli under Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. So wow. we get a lot of we get a lot of connections here. While some of the <laughs> they learned a lot of drawing between then and <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> wow. For real. Uh, while some of the animators went to establish Pacific Animation Corporation, Topcraft successfully partnered with Rankin Bass on several other productions in traditional animations, including Twice the Night Before Christmas. The Stingiest Man in Town, and The Last Unicorn, which is a Jonathan classic, as Grant knows, mm -hmm. <laughs> and has suffered mm -hmm. through many a yes. time. Uh, visual inspiration from Arthur Rank Rackham's illustrations. Uh, Jules Bass primarily adapted, oh, oh, sorry, adapted uh, Tolkien's original lyrics for the film's musical interludes drawn primarily from the songs that feature prominently in the book. So yeah. this is like... And know, there are a few... Going down to Goblin Town is in the book, I guess. <laughs> the Break Bilbo's Shit song and the... Yeah, so that's... I feel like this is where me and Heather gaze at each other. I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know, we went down the book. Well, of course, the Misty shit. Mountain's cold. <laughs> yeah, Misty Mountain's cold. Yeah, yeah. so they're all there. Uh, so in 1978, Romeo Mueller won a Peabody Award for his teleplay of The Hobbit. 
Uh, the film was also nominated for the Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation, but lost to Star Wars. Ah. <laughs> and it was probably the best Peabody winner until Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. <laughs> I was going to say an award shared by. Yes. Yeah. A few days before its first airing, John J. O'Connor wrote in the New York Times that Rankin-Bass Productions have now officially translated The Hobbit into film. The result is curiously eclectic but filled with nicely effective moments. The drawings frequently suggest strong resemblances to the non-Tolkien characters. The goblins could have stepped out of a Maurice Sendak book. But Which the dra- is true, yeah. yeah. They do look like where the, where wild, the wild things are. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to Spike Jonesy on this podcast, okay. <laughs> I feel like. That's close enough to anime. But the dragon and Gollum, the riddle aficionado, brings some clever original touches. Whatever its flaws, the television version of The Hobbit warrants affection. <laughs> what is a cube that has no lid and no, <laughs> lock, and no hinge I'm and sure gold Heather will inside. have some comments on that. An egg is not a cube! <laughs> <laughs> we learned on CSI Bakers. Yeah. Uh, criticism primarily focused on adaptation issues, including the unfamiliar style of artwork used by Japanese-American co-production team, whereas some Tolkien fans questioned the appropriateness of repackaging the material as a family film for a very young audience. Which is a discussion to be had, because if we recall with The Hobbit, Tolkien conceived all of this as like a bedtime story, I believe, for his kids. Mm. So it was a kid's story to begin with, maybe like a darker fairy tale-esque one, but definitely for kids. Uh, but maybe four red- kids, four kids, yeah. <laughs> uh, Flashback. It's time. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't give it up, Luffy. Yes. Uh, but you know, so maybe retroactively, if people associated more with the Lord of the Rings, they wouldn't think that. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Douglas A. Anderson, a Tolkien scholar, called the adaptation uh, execrable. <laughs> His own introduction of the annotated Hobbit, although he did not elaborate. On Rotten Tomatoes, currently it's chilling at a 71%, which is better than most, yeah. worse than some. Almost three times <laughs> that of Rebel Moon, so... Well, you love to bring up Rebel Moon, don't you? <laughs> well, we're going to get into that next fuck, episode. Not, not on Christmas. <laughs> Please save me. <laughs> not on Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Before The Hobbit aired on NBC, Rankin-Bass and its partner Animation Houses began preparing a sequel... Meanwhile, United Artists uh, released J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings in 1978, an animated adaptation directed by Ralph Bakshi, originally intended as the first part of a two-part film. Uh, United Artists' sequel would soon be canceled after a disengagement with Bakshi. Might get two at a different time, but based on what Grant suggested me next year, <laughs> we ain't getting to it next year, baby! So strap I in! Th- I don't think we need to visit the Bakshi films. Yeah, well, and besides, now that I bought them all for no reason! Well, no, Even the now, Bakshi films? I've got them all on DVD. Why? I okay. tried. I, I thought you would want to. But, but yeah. now that the threshold has been crossed, we can always do that if we need to like, do yes. a filler episode. Yes. We yeah. can bring yeah. in the, yeah. the I'll Bakshi I'll call you movies. up on the, the fucking... <laughs> Christmas in July. I could say <laughs> yes. we could... Backtrack to Bakshi. Yeah, Gabe, just say, yeah, Christmas, yeah, exactly. Live from Faroque Fest. (laughs) What Um, I wouldn't give to be invited to Faroque Fest. (laughs) Take the mics on the road. You rent a carousel. What? Why are you talking about that year? What are you talking about? I know all about Faroque Fest, and I know you were on a carousel that it's year. Part of the lore. I, oh, I think I did ride a carousel. Yeah, I know you did. Don't lie to me. It was at Lake Ontario. Yeah. Ooh. You think I could get an invite to that? To Lake Ontario? Yeah, I would love that. I would, I would go just to drive Fest. there. I'd be like, hi, I'm John Farouk. 
Remember me? <laughs> Just drive there, drats. <laughs> Foiled again. Yeah, and did again. Um, but before we get into the film's plot, of course I have to ask where we stand on Lord of the Rings knowledge as I look to Dan Ryan. <laughs> oh God, I'm sweating. Um, I think Dan's the scholar in the room. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, well, uh, as my chair squeaks. Oh, as my chair squeaks. Okay. Uh, well, the thing that that prevents it's the fine. enunciation of peas just fell off, but I'm it's going to try my best. I can. I can tie um, it. It's no problem. So. Much to my embarrassment, I have seen the Peter Jackson Hobbit trilogy about 10,000 times myself. I've mentioned that on this podcast before, How because I would just leave that? them on the TV as background noise. That's not a credit um, I'd want to be proud of. No, it's not. It's, 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 you know, if it's anything, it's like the Scrooge chain that's going to weigh me down when I die. Um, but, you know, because of that and from watching the movies on a yearly basis, I, I guess I do love... Uh, Tolkien's world. Um, I don't know, and I'm happy I get to share it with all my friends at Christmas, but, you know. Shut up. That's, uh, but yeah, no, I I obviously love these stories, but I have a feeling that not all at this table will share that. You're just uh, waiting for them to make the Enchiridion. Yeah. 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 I made that joke and you stole it! Anyways. No, I think Gabe was the first one to come up with no, that. I mean, no, no, he wasn't. Otherwise. I think he it was, was Gabe. Not. I think it was Gabe. Shut up. It was me. Anyways. <laughs> me, me, me. Yeah. I'm Jonathan Gretkowski, and Daniel Ryan has subjected me to the Tolkien universe for his entire life. Help me, please. I've seen every live action movie. I've seen every animated film. Have and it's seen, not worth it. Have you seen the extended cuts? Yes, I made him yes. watch the extended cuts. Yes, he did make me watch the extended cuts. And you know what? I still don't know what's going the fuck on in this universe. Universe. There's I a ring. books. There's just a ring. That's all you need to know. Yeah, there's a ring. There's sure. a ring, and, and then it I... apparently makes you invisible. <laughs> I knew that, Heather. I knew that. Well, I didn't. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Yeah. But going but... around the table in this direction, Gabe, yeah. what are your thoughts? What is your relationship to this movie? If uh, I've seen the Peter Jackson ones, mm-hmm. not the Hobbit ones, but mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings uh, once, but the extended edition, and that's the. And I've seen the Tolkien movie about Tolkien, so that's where right. I'm at. Right. Okay. I have some general background knowledge. Okay. Heather? <laughs> I saw the first Peter Jackson movie, and I fell asleep halfway through, baby. Good, good on you, baby. I agree. <laughs> Grant? I've seen the Peter Jackson movies, but The Hobbit, I've seen this movie several times as a child, yeah. and then uh, I read the book a couple of times as a kid, so I'm a fan of The Hobbit. You know, the book, mm-hmm. the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies, trash, straight mm-hmm. trash. Yeah, I and I don't defend them. Um, <laughs> but you know, you don't defend them. You but just I do watch support them, them. ten thousand times. Yes, but that's I. I can do that with you know. I, I'm trained to do that with Star Wars. I do that with everything. Yes, um, of course, he is. He's conditioned. But for for context, uh, you know, when we when we gathered around to watch this, this movie was barely like what an hour and a half. It was 70 minutes, and so, I felt every one of those minutes. So, okay, so... so it felt longer than what you thought it would, right? It, it did, it did. Thank yes. you. So, thank like, you. But thank it, you. it was they short cover a considering... Lot of ground. They, yeah. they cover a lot of ground. Oh, my God. So just keep in the mind... The dwarves are being kidnapped again. They cover so much That's ground, in fact, that it That's took Peter Jackson we'll eight there. hours we'll to get yeah. to the safe place. Thank you. But three yeah. of us agree that this takes far too long. <laughs> 
But just keep in mind that in this 70 minute movie, they were able to cover the events of this very short book, and it yes. really makes you question how it was stretched into three gigantic movies. Three, like, three hour films. Yes. Yeah. It was crazy, Heather, to be there at that <laughs> moment. Because, again, at its Where Grant and Dan strapped me down to the seat and said, Watch. Of this your is own house. <laughs> a, a children's kind of fantasy story. But without this film, we wouldn't have my Skittles. We wouldn't have my Skittles. Which oh. we'll get to. Oh, yeah. I, wow. That was my Skittles moment. This was, the Hobbit? This was yeah. the Hobbit. I remember it. Are you sure? I am positive it oh. was the Hobbit. Good thing you put wow. that pea shield back on. <laughs> <laughs> um. it's, a, it's a pop filter, but thank you, Heather. Yeah. But First time podcasting. <laughs> But with uh, this specific, this specific version of the Hobbit, I think most modern people are familiar with it because it gets memed on for its art style a lot. Mm. Recently, Smiling Friends did a whole episode yeah, with, with Bilbo did, in the yeah. exact same style. Iconic. Watch it on and Max. And I, I think that's well, what a lot of people remember it for. Well, now. In South Park. There's yeah, the whole Lemmy Winks. Yeah, Lemmy Winks yeah, situation. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> Also iconic. Yep. And lots of gifts that go around from this and then the other animated Lord of the Rings, like Gandalf scaring <laughs> Sam for no yeah, reason. Yeah. So. No, it's incredibly dated, but I still think it's good in its own, if you judge it for its own Heather says that she looks over. <laughs> no, I can agree that I probably would, if I watched the if Peter Jackson stoned, movie. right? No, if I had wa- if okay. I had the choice between watching this and the Peter Jackson movies, I'd a thousand percent choose this. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Well, this one's only 71 minutes. Here, Jackson. <laughs> I mean, that's worth it. It's, it's tenfold right there. I would love that. I'd, I'd watch all of them for everyone else. I, I don't <laughs> care who... Suffer the, and I Gabe remains silent. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe chooses not to speak on that. You know Will Calhoun would have watched them all. Am I silent or silenced? <laughs> That's the real question. <laughs> Alright, shall we get into the plot then, Dan Ryan? Yeah, I'd say so. Alright, so we begin with the storybook opening. Uh, that's fitting. It feels like it fits the book format of this show. Very, you know? like, painterly, watercolor-esque, like, you know, ink on paper <laughs> look at the beginning. Yeah, but it fades into the map, at least. It's so. not a dirty, wet hole that we're going it's into. It's not a dirty, wet hole. It's <laughs> a <laughs> hobbit hole. It is but a hobbit hole that we're going The narrator assured us it is not a dirty, wet hole that It's we're the going Denny's into. Hobbit Hole menu for a limited time only. That was extremely foul. <laughs> you know, I was waiting for the uh, the stop motion to start, and it never did. No, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, is this whole thing going to be animated? Oh, God. <laughs> Poor Gabe. Poor Gabe at the side. But it's focusing on the Hobbit Bilbo Baggins in the Shire. Uh, we got a lot of whole conversation, as I have here. Uh, hitting the pipe so early as Gandalf the Grey appears. And we have to talk about Gandalf. Yes. What's up with him? He's doing... it. Nobody wants to work anymore. He's doing all the work. Him and the Eagles did 100% of everything in this and that, film. that fucking finch or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah the thrush. The thrush. <laughs> the thrush. Well, uh, again, this version of Gandalf is a little scarier than he usually is. He's not scary. He's just, like, to the point. He's like, go. Well, no, yeah, but probably for the sake of his dialogue being, like, rushed or skipped through, he is very blunt about a lot of things, and he's he's well, kind of like... I am di- Gandalf. I'll, Gandalf means me. A lot of that dialogue is lifted from the book. Yeah. <laughs> so you're the book master. Right. I mean, you've read these books. I haven't, which so, I read a lot, you know, you on this podcast, these? I have to mention. How have you not read 
read these books. You read every book. I was a child. I he doesn't know. like sci-fi. He doesn't like I fantasy. Don't, I don't. I don't. Only Dune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only yeah. only yeah. Dune. <laughs> no sci-fi. Only, only Dune. The, only, the, only the spice melange keeps him going. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But continue. Um, well, I guess I didn't have that much. It, it, there's a... <laughs> <laughs> A lot, a lot That's of the it. dialogue is from the book. Get off there. That's it. That's all I have to say. Well, he shows up in lightning flashes yeah. as it does, yeah. and then, you know. We're looking to hire a burglar. Then. But the point is, Bilbo is out for a morning smoke, and Gandalf approaches him, and he's like, do I'm looking thing. for a burglar. Yeah, do this thing. Yeah. You and have this get... chance to be on a great adventure, so yeah. do it. Yeah, we get the yeah. iconic song to Dungeons Deep and Caverns Cold, which Grant was like holding up his lighter during. <laughs> like, oh, I fucking dig this song. It's a religious experience. Yeah. Yeah. As the dwarves emerge from shrubs nearby, <laughs> they, they gather round. Um, but this is the company of Thorin Oakenshield, yeah. consisting of Wallen, Ballen, Keely, Feely, Dory, Nori, Ori, Owen, Oin, 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 and Gloin. Heather, did you remember all the names? <laughs> Absolutely not. There's still more: Biffer, Bofer, and Bomber. Biffer and Bofer, I remember. <laughs> Bomber is iconic. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, Bob yet, Not one of them did anything the whole film. <laughs> no, absolutely no. not. Not a thing. All they did was get captured like yeah. 10,000 Thank times. you. Thank you. But Grant will be like, that, that's, that's the, the point. point. <laughs> that's the point. Uh, but then they go there for supper, uh, and they, they kind of, uh, you know... Bilbo was worried that they're going to mess up all of his shit. You know, there's a song about blunting the knives and burning the corks. Uh, but they are actually okay dinner guests. But once the meal is complete, Gandalf raises the issue of this contract uh, because they want him to be the 14th party member, uh, you know, and serve as the burglar for this operation. They want him to burgle the turts. They burgle those turts. Um... <laughs> But specifically, what they are going after is the lost treasure hoard, uh, you know, at the Dwarven, what used to be the Dwarven city of Erebor, which is now just called the Lonely Mountain. Uh, and it, the Lonely Mountain was taken from the dwarves by the dragon Smaug. Uh, <laughs> one of my and favorite like, villains. And eyes have glazed over at this point. <laughs> She's done. No. No. <laughs> Smog is iconic, though. Yeah. Smog's cool. Yeah, we get like a flash of him. He's a top tier dragon. Yeah. He is top tier dragon. He's a very cat dragon. A fire drake from <laughs> yeah, the a north. dragon drawn by someone who maybe had never seen a dragon, <laughs> or who wanted to fuck a dragon. Oh, like, no, sure. I mean, not that's that. what I feel. Not that. <laughs> and that's uh, okay. that's that's a, a little bit of trivia for that. Is that apparently when they were Don Bluth wanted to fuck a dragon <laughs> when they were making Don the art for this. There is a line in the book where Smaug purrs, and the art team for this movie took that to mean, oh, they he must done. be cat-like. Cat. Oh, purr. So, you know, just like T.S. Eliot's cats and everything that we, uh, you know, previously visited on the podcast, they made him look slightly cat-like. He's got his cat eyes in. So. <laughs> With those moonbeam uh, yeah, moon <laughs> Zelda boss eyes. No, actually, he lives on a vast golden horde. He does. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the dwarves want to get it back. And there's no, there's no, no other extraneous details added here, like the Ark and Stone and everything else. Mm. Uh, it's just a matter of getting, you know, the mount, getting, somehow they want Bilbo to get the entire, you know, thing back for them and somehow kill Smog. Yeah. Heather, I have to ask, did you want the dwarves to win? Like, get their land back or no? 
I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm just realizing right now, actually, that one of the bearded dragons I follow on Instagram <laughs> is named Smaugy, and this is probably why. There we go. <laughs> it all connects the dots. That's why huh? my wheels are turning. Right <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about him. It's one of the most common names for... <laughs> for cats and dragons. <laughs> for cats and dragons. <laughs> Uh, but they all show up at Bilbo's house. Yeah, and they're that's like the quest. They're going on a quest to retrieve the Lonely Mountain from Smaug and get the treasure that the dwarves, you know, that belongs to them by, you know, the fact that Thorin is descended from the old king. <laughs> and they need a burglar specifically because they assume that they're going to have to sneak into the mountain somehow yeah. through one of the remaining passages uh, in only a hobbit is small enough to do that. I think, I'm pretty sure it's Gandalf's suggestion that, like, people don't notice hobbits in this world a lot, so if you need a stealth mission... they're small and tiny with furry feet, as Heather said. Um, Why are their feet so furry? Can we go over the size order again? <laughs> yeah, all right. Can someone explain the size to Heather? Uh, it goes hobbits, dwarves, humans, and then elves, elves are usually tall. Yeah. And, uh... I guess sexy no, no, universe. No gnomes. What about goblins? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 oh, what about goblins? Well, I guess they're kind of a different, different thing because they're not really, breed. they're not really human. Yeah, like, gypsy transient at, <laughs> at the time, at the time, redacted, uh, redacted and burglar, <laughs> redacted, redacted thieves. At the time that this was recorded, or uh, no, not recorded, written. At the time that the book was written, there we go. At the time this was recorded, goblins ranked in this spot of the height order. Mark it for, for posterity. I love that. So, I think at that point when Tolkien was writing these, goblins were like the catch-all for the you know creatures on the bad side that would occupy the mountains and stuff. And then when we started to get into the Lord of the Rings books proper, there was like a distinction made between goblins, who were the little dudes who <laughs> dwell <going>. in tunnels, <laughs> all of the Hopkinsville goblins, and there's the orcs uh, who serve Sauron and Saruman. And then you also have the I mean, you got the right man to explain it no, to you. No, I am so. just like amazed by Absorbing. the amount of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> come in handy anywhere else. <laughs> it's pretty, Dan's got a lot in The him. facts that Dan is spitting right yes. now. <laughs> Pretty standard stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's boilerplate. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so we get that the 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 gob not the goblins the the dwarves are on a revenge mission. Yeah. Right to reclaim their throne, and we get the e. <laughs> yes. Uh, That's all I have in my notes. But you know, with some you know pushing from Gandalf, Bilbo will end a little motivational song. Oh yeah, Bilbo does finally sign the contract. Yeah, would they like crack to... the plates and uh, no, no, no. And serve the? Spoon. We already this did that. This is the the greatest adventure. Oh, I don't fucking know. That greatest adventure song lasts for like three hours. But also, film. can we just talk about how that contract was basically three lines? Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, Heather. Thank you. <laughs> You're the fourteenth person. Sign. If you die, you will pay for <laughs> if your. If you funeral. die, you die. Sign at the bottom line. <laughs> Please, <laughs> thank you, Heather. Throughout this whole movie, they keep bringing up the terms of the contract. The terms of the contract. There were no terms. The terms were we'll pay for your funeral if you die. Well, as Grant points out, the dwarves are very much assholes in this oh, yes. story, and yes. they keep just yeah, pushing Bilbo. They're supposed Bilbo. to be assholes, said Grant. They keep oh, bullying yeah. Bilbo into adding, you know, oh, under the provisions of the contract, you're our employee, kind of, and then they, they con him into doing stuff. 
So you're more, telling yeah. me that their point in the film is just gaslight gatekeep yes. robots? Yes. <laughs> was, one of, was one of them a notary public? Is that contract even valid? That was Feely. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a joke about that in the Peter Jackson ones, though. Notarized. I don't know. Well, don't get Greg started. <laughs> Greg's bubbling over here. Oh, I'm not a scholar on the Peter Jackson films. Ooh. I defer to Dan for any um, anything like that. Grant says I'm too good for the Peter Jackson films. And I'll have you know, Dan, that's only the intro credits of this film. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Why they drop the title card halfway through the movie? Well, guess what, Mimi? <laughs> that's all that we're doing. But. The adventure begins, uh, and Bilbo <laughs> immediately starts adventure. complaining, because yeah. uh, it's raining, and he misses his books, and his <laughs> footrest, and his Gabe. fireplace. <laughs> Game energy. <laughs> I don't want to go on this voyage. I'm going to have to... To burgle. <laughs> to burgle. And Gandalf tells him to cope. If you're on a, an adventure, and you're homesick, just think of Pleasant good things. things. <laughs> Game's like my EY foundation And he check. thinks of people juggling dirty plates. <laughs> He remembers the very unpleasant dinner from a day previously. <laughs> and he starts thinking about Shrek's swamp, a.k.a. Yep. his house. Yes, yeah. yes, very much so. Um, but you do point out, as per in the original, Gandalf kind of comes and goes mm-hmm. throughout the adventure. He, he just appears and reappears at will, like a drag queen, honey. He's <laughs> like, I'm there, I'm here, whatever, doing splits. Because mm. it's like... Technically, Gandalf isn't supposed to be helping them with stuff like this, but he does. Why? He... Why isn't he supposed to be helping? Because he's like an angel. Why? Why? But not really. He's like a. I want Heather on this podcast angel, more. But... <laughs> it's a challenge, Dan. We gotta poke holes in this. He's too high ranking <laughs> to but, deal with uh, Hobbit uh, shit. With her PhD, she's too powerful here. <laughs> uh, but they do spot some trolls. Uh, Immediately. On this particular night, yes, uh, who are three trolls with okay mm-hmm. designs. One of them has like tusks for mm-hmm. some reason, uh, and an eye patch. Yeah, uh, and they're they're eating some mutton, and the and dwarves very smartly are like, "Go steal their shit." Well, because Gandalf wasn't there to help them. Yeah, it's like Gandalf's doing other shit. They said, yeah, "We're hungry. Done. I want some mutton." They said, "You're a burglar. Go <laughs> get the, the mutton." <laughs> Where's the beef? <laughs> Where's the mutton? <laughs> But uh, Bilbo is instantly caught, and, uh, you know, they're about to eat him, but then Bilbo shouts for the dwarves to run away, <laughs> drawing attention to them. Exposes them immediately. <laughs> uh, and while the, the the trolls are chasing after the dwarves, uh, you know, Bilbo kind of sneaks into a cave nearby, and he finds their treasure hoard. Mm. Um, but uh, Then they got these dwarves bagged. <laughs> Tagged, they got them back and tagged. Tagged, tagged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're about to eat them. Uh, but Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. As per the See, I know! <laughs> that was potatoes. Shut up! <laughs> I tried my best! What movie is that from, Jonathan? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I'm sorry. I've seen them enough. Mm-hmm. It's from Rudy. That's that, yeah. What? I'm Boil joking. Come ma- <laughs> 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 on, where's those? your head at? Come on. Wait, wait I have a question. <laughs> yes, Heather, yes. So... Why do they think Bilbo is a burglar if he's so bad at it? I think they just conditioned him to be a burglar. Or is it, like, supposed to be a fundamental thing in his species? Or, like, <laughs> oh, what they, is it? They, um, <laughs> yeah, hobbits are good at burgling. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't feel bad. The real reason is they need, like, a patsy to, like, <laughs> kind of go in and, like, yeah. basically be a sacrifice for them to... Hmm. Not a sacrifice, but, like... 
figure out the way so they don't have to they don't take the risk that's yeah. their that's their but then how'd they find bilbo because again that, 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 that's yeah. a good question heather i agree i mean I like well because I, I think it's I don't know how I, I don't know how extra whatever any of this is but I think Gandalf was familiar with hobbits I don't think you know how to read Dan and he just okay. likes hobbits uh, because they're like they're kindly folk who go unnoticed with their furry feet yeah like us in New Jersey and then they they you know Heather said they've got furry feet <laughs> I said that 60 minutes into the yeah, 70 minute she didn't film. notice <laughs> but go on but yeah and then so it's it's like you know, and I think it's because Gandalf is like, you know, Bilbo, you used to dream of adventure when you were a, a kid, so, you know, I'm going to get you back into the. But again, Grant has given me a look. I don't know how extra canonical Oh, is. no, I don't know what the canon is. I think it's just because cause Bilbo's the main character, so. The <laughs> they just had to insert him somehow. Yeah. Because Gandalf's usually cooking. He, like, he, he has a plan. Let me cook. Usually. <laughs> Gandalf said, let me cook, Jesse. But the trolls spend too much time squabbling over yes. how to prepare the meal, yeah. and Gandalf like shows up, up and salutes the sun. The sun yeah, salutes the sun, <laughs> and says, the, "You will die." The, the trolls are turned to stone, yeah. uh, where they will remain for future films and stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but going into the troll horde cave. Uh, each of them finds like some very nicely crafted old weaponry, uh, lots of swords with runes carved into them. Uh, Bilbo doesn't know what a rune is, uh, but I think Thorin explains, you know, it's very old writing. Uh, and they, they each decide to basically hold on to a sword themselves, and they'll come back for the folded money on their way back on the return trip. Mm -hmm. uh, however that would work out. <laughs> Uh, but they leave most of the treasure there, uh, and they just take the weapons. Yeah. Uh, and then Gandalf shows up with the secret key. He shows up with a map and a, a yeah. key. Yeah, with this pointed finger that's like, oh, if you would only read this and take the key to unlock that. And I'm like, fuck you, Gandalf. You knew everything. Well... He he's gotta they gotta you know they gotta bring the map to Elrond at Rivendell. Grant remains silent. He's uh, like, mm, yes, Gandalf did. Yeah. You know, and they 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 go they go to see Elrond. He's got a cool design in this movie. He's got Elrond. Like a crown of... Elrond Hubbard. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I remember. He's got his cup of stars. <laughs> cup of stars. His, his, Look that up, sweetie. His crown of light, uh, and he translates <laughs> the uh, the the moon runes on the map. Uh, which say, you know, what are moon runes, Dan? <laughs> they are, Dan? What are moon runes? They are runes that are that revealed by the moon. <laughs> they can only be read under the light of the moon they were written on. Fuck this. We're 30 years only old. Like one, one night of the year. But we're doing a podcast on the Hobbit movie. We Heather's like, let me out. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you can only read it one day of the year? Yes. yes. I think so. Yeah, yeah. By yeah. the sound of the thrush? <laughs> by no, the that's... sound of the oral yeast? <laughs> that's the, 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 the door. Or is only revealed by the the, the thrush. No, the moon runes are only revealed by the light of the moon. Yeah, I hate the moon. I hate read by the light of the moon. But then, with the moon light of the silvery moon, reveal that on the last light of Doran's day, <laughs> the light will shine upon the keyhole where the thrush is. is uh, where the thrush is, knocks. And, yeah. uh, where the thrush knocks. Like three times or something, and then there's like, a. Yeah. Heather, this is preparing you for many life moments coming up in your life. 
All or right, be like, weird. do you know Thorns Day? <laughs> Durin's Day. I mean, honestly, in Ohio, you never know what someone's going to try to talk to you about at the grocery store. No, so you're prepared. <laughs> you know, like- try to stay away from Thrush in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. Oh, and Elrond also translates all their weapons. Like, this is the faux hammer. This is glam. Glam drink. This is yeah. glamping. This is glamping, yeah. Uh. And also, notably, Bilbo's been walking around with what is a regular sword by his standard, but probably a dagger otherwise, which he calls Sting. Because he's so small. Mm. And it glows blue. When foes are near. Yes. Um, (laughs) Foes are near. Of course. So, you know, they they continue on on their journey. (laughs) Journey. They continue on on their journey. (laughs) um, And they're camping one night in a cave. Uh, in this cave, oh, I remember. The wall starts to give way. Yep. The ponies, the ponies, the ponies, the ponies. They got sucked into a black hole. <laughs> we never saw them again. The Patty the ponies are taken down. Patty, underground. Oh, oh, you got me there, Dan Ryan. And you've listened, you've learned. They, uh, you know, the, the dwarves the go with them. The ponies. The ponies. The, the dwarves follow them down, and they're going down, down to Goblin Town, and that's the that's where the goblins live. I'll Way down. To Goblin Town. Uh, Iconic song. I agree. And at this point, I think Gandalf had briefly, you know, left again. Uh, but then he shows up again. Yeah, as they're about to be eaten a second mm. time. Well, they're like chained and barred by these goblins. Yeah, there's a whole song. Yeah. Going you know. down to Goblin Town, yes. Uh, you know, and, and is while... Goblin Town adjacent to Flavor Town? <laughs> it was probably the prelude, right to next it. door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Guy well, Fieri's. Yeah, like one's there, unincorporated. Right? I would, I would want to know. I, I'm sorry. Anyway, oh, okay. <laughs> so then, just try to add some Gan- humor. Gandalf shows up. <laughs> anyway, Gandalf is there. He fights off the all the goblins, and then as they're escaping, Bilbo, who was for some reason riding on another guy's shoulders. <laughs> Into the distance. He, he dives head first down a pit. <laughs> Me falling down one stair. It's, it's like, it looks like his rigid body just falls backwards down a hole. Uh, it is kind of funny. And I he, agree. He winds up at the underground lake where a, a strange little creature who we will, you know, call Gollum. <laughs> oh, Gollum. Is that his name? Well, because he just, he... Oh, like, Gollum, Gollum! I, think he, I don't think he ever says Smeagol or anything. In no, this. no, no. no. Yeah. So he, See, that's deep lore. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. They're thinking about that. You have to watch right. four hours of The yeah. Lord of the Rings. 36 just hours of this You know together. what? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I decline. Uh... But Gollum challenges Bilbo. Uh, to a riddle Want to smell my finger, Dan? <laughs> I, I mean, this is the worst. This is the worst podcast about the Hobbit that's ever I been done. I love it. I'm so um, excited. But when he fell down, Bilbo found, notably, a magic golden ring on the floor. Yes. Uh, and that's important. His precious. Because uh, Gollum is, you know, chilling in his Gollum hut. In the middle of the lake, <laughs> that he has to paddleboard too. <laughs> <laughs> paddleboard back and forth too. It's a very special hut, uh, and he is, uh, you know, like I want to eat you. <laughs> so he's like, uh, we'll do a little riddle game, and if you lose the game of riddles, and I'll, you know, we'll get to consume you. Uh, but if you win, I'll show you the way out of this cave. 
Um, you're just as far in as you'll ever, ever be out, mm-hmm. etc. So they'll, you know, yeah. whatever that song was. And Heather mentions, like, uh, doesn't Bilbo find a special tool down here? A mask of tool? Yeah, I just said that he found <laughs> the ring. <laughs> no, I, I was mentioning, like, every time he turns invisible, he has a special whoop sound. Yeah, so that's weird <laughs> to me. Like, what is the point of being able to become invisible and be stealthy if it's like, whoop? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a non-diagetic whoop. No. As I taught you, yes. You know? Yeah. Diagetic <laughs> things are confusing. Yes, yes. Um, but they play a riddle game, which, uh, you know, Bilbo basically wins, because the last question that Bilbo asks is, what do I have in my pocket? Well, no, Heather was stumped by the eggs riddle, too, which would I'm be sorry. a Heather easy, easy egg. Yeah, you gotta practice these, yeah. Heather, in case you're ever losing. Yeah, like a man comes up near the street, and you're like, oh Answer god, these what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> An egg is not a cube. No, he says it's not a cube, it's not a box, it's something with a house of golden treasure. You won't leave the post office until you can answer these questions. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to prepare you, Heather. To get on this plane, you know. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just it's Gollum and Turandot. Always have to answering riddles. Yes. My name, Turandot. <laughs> That's the riddle. Did you turn his dot? <laughs> yes, we did, Heather. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Gollum, after paddling back to his little house <laughs> and, and searching through his trash all the taco bell wrappers yeah, he's like where's my rainbows to the side i can relate the crave case box and his is like Trixie. That's, that's what he has he stole my ring and uh you know bilbo goes invisible he goes stealth mode he's going ghost and Gollum <laughs> freaks out goes to pursue him and uh, Bilbo, using invisibility, does escape. But notably, Gollum swears vengeance. He will never forget the name Baggins. Mm. Uh, he knows that he has the ring, and he will not rest until someday he finds Baggins of the Shire and gets the ring back. I don't think we've seen the last of him. <laughs> I don't think so either. Wait, I so, got a feeling. So how did he know that Baggins is from the Shire? Because it's a hobbin, a, a hobbin. A hobbin. No, no, no. Because right. Bilbo, like honorific, he's like, "Hi, I'm, etc., etc. Here's my zip code." Oh. When he, when he oh. walked into the, yeah. he does. He says, "Like, hi, I'm Bilbo of the Shire." So it's like, interesting. Yeah, he he gives too much away from yeah. Hobbiton. Um, but yeah, so so you know, Bilbo escapes. He reunites with the dwarves. And he kind of bullshits his way through an explanation. Yeah. And like, I love Gandalf. He's like, yeah, you put a ring on it, baby. <laughs> yeah. That has a nice ring. Not even it. subtle. Your story rings a bell, bell indeed, <laughs> but stop talking now, because yeah. we're going to leave. Um, <laughs> but the, the goblins emerge from around the bend. They are chasing them into some pine trees. Gandalf, using his magic, throws a pine cone that fucking explodes <laughs> yeah. in like an anime spirit gun explosion. Like, like fucking nerfs all these fucking wipes them out. Shit. Yeah. Um, and they escape on the eagles. Oh, the eagles. Mm. The Grant. eagles. Grant, you have something to say about these people? Oh, yes, Dan. In the Lord of the Rings films, mm-hmm. why couldn't these eagles just simply lift Frodo, <laughs> Frodo into and Samwise Mordor. to Mordor? Well, 
I'm going to get mopped by the people on this panel. Four people versus one. The slings and arrows will hit my back, and I will let them rain down upon me. But the <laughs> don't let them hit the one scale though. Exactly, you did it there though. Uh, That's what we have, They. The eagles are just majestic wild creatures, and Gandalf can kind of ask them to do stuff sometimes, but they, you know, ultimately they follow their own whims, so it's not, they're not like a reliable thing to... They're eagles, you see. Even though Gandalf does seem to rely on them, they are not a reliable means yeah. of doing anything, because they are a proud and ancient race, uh, race of creature eagles. in this world. Yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> they're all That's Geminis. Right. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, that checks out. They're gonna drop us at the edge of the Mirkwood Forest and smash our heads upon the rocks. There's big spiders in there. Yeah. Um, Gandalf leaves again. Uh, this, I think, would be the part in the story where he goes to fight the necromancer that becomes Sauron. Um, but sure. for another day. I believe that's only in the Enchiridion, though. <laughs> yeah. Stealing my joke. Uh, I, thought, I thought that was Gabe's joke. It was a Gabe's joke. Well, Gabe already said that. Hey, shut so, up! I said which it means first. Gabe is the one that invented it. I so. said it first. Um, but erasure. Then, yeah. So I love to erasure. Get, I think another little song cue because Gandalf is like, "Oh, you're the lucky number of the party. Uh, you can do anything you set your mind to." And there's a little song as Bilbo gets them lost in the forest. And, yeah, and he, he's brought to tears by the sight of butterflies above the canopy. Of Black the, butterflies, yes. yeah. And then... Uh, he's so changed by that. He says, I've never seen, you know, a sight so beautiful. So beauteous. Um, but while he's admiring the butterflies, the dwarves have been kidnapped again. <laughs> by a giant spider! By giant scary spiders. And he, are and he they comments giant? On as, we, as we commented, they're very short, so are they just normal size spiders? <laughs> Yeah, is the spider big or is the, the hobbit, hobbit small? Yeah. I think they're big by spider standards. Like dog like sized spiders. <laughs> I think. Well, okay. How many how many of these large spiders do you think you could fight if if you Eight. <laughs> eight. Just eight? <laughs> just I could take eight of them at once. No weapons. You're just you're going <laughs> in <laughs> bare fist. <laughs> bare fist going in. Give me two balls of one. I can take eight of them. What I will say, there were three spiders, and they wrapped up 14 <laughs> beings yeah. in webs. I they must be, you can, I think you can take eight. Can take they must eight. be tired. And they did not follow proper spider protocol and liquefy the people who yeah, were they, in the webs. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Bilbo, using his invisibility, does manage to save the dwarves, and he frightens off the last of the spiders using Sting, his, his new weapon. His blade. Uh, which gets, like, a really flashy energy thing in this moment. Yeah, the, the spiders Beyonce, are shocked like about. energy. Mm. Energy. Um, energy. As Heather rolls her eyes over there. <laughs> but escaping this crisis, uh, they end up in the custody of the Wood Elves. Like, Bilbo saves them from that, leaves, and they've immediately been arrested by the Wood Elves. Who I thought would be sexier, but they're not. They're 90% mm. leg. <laughs> they're not wearing underpants. As you've described, <laughs> elves are sexy. <laughs> Not in this well, that's version. what I'm used to. No, no, he uh, said elves are hot. Get yeah. it right. All right. They're well, that's what I'm used to. But these are these are like they they are very the, the legs go all the way up, and maybe, they maybe live by, in the woods. By 1977 standards, maybe they were. Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, yeah everyone looks like that. Well, everyone's got <laughs> no pants on, as we'll get to. I don't um, know. His loincloth was doing some W-O-R-K. <laughs> work. <laughs> uh, but, you know, for, for the crime of, I guess, trespassing in these woods, uh, you know, the, the uh, elf king, who would have been Lee Pace otherwise, sentences the dwarves to be imprisoned there. And then Bilbo, for some reason, stakes out the place for like three weeks. I think he says. Yeah. What was he eating for those three weeks? Nothing but piss. He's a little guy. He only has to eat. No. No, he's probably probably eating the the little biscuit that uh, Frodo eats in Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah, he could have. But eventually, he does manage to steal the keys and freeze all of the dwarves, uh, and they go down. The not, the not GoPro barrel riding sequence. Oh, because the uh, the wood elves are drunks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they, they love are. wine. And, and Grant, they, yeah. care to discuss the sequence in the Peter Jackson movies? <laughs> oh, it's trash. <laughs> oh, well, see. once again, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Dan, mm-hmm. I think the dwarves kind of save themselves. It's not just Bilbo who's saving them in the Peter Jackson version, right? Yeah, he gets them into the barrels, and then they drop, but then there's a whole extended ten-minute fight sequence as they're going down the river, where they all fight their way through the goblins that are coming. What you're supposed to realize over the course of this book-slash-movie is that the the dwarves are basically incompetent, and Bilbo is the one saving them at every turn. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Of course, they don't do that in Peter Jackson. No, for the sake of, like, making... You know, I guess to translating into a movie, they needed to make them look like heroic main characters. Notably, they made two of them just, like, regular dudes without dwarf makeup. Yeah, uh, Because those are the ones... Like, one of them gets the love interest in Kate from Lost, who's also added in. Uh, And Orlando Bloom was there with his his terrible contacts in. Uh, It was a whole thing. Uh, But in this movie... They, they, you know, with Incident Free, they get in these barrels and they escape down uh, to Lake Town, which is... Uh, way down Lake Town, way down under the bridge. Way down in the lake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a little, uh, you know, wooden dock town that is was built from what remained of Dale, which was the town that was destroyed by Smaug when he was taking the mountain. Um, and they're mm-hmm. like, a, you know, they're like tough fishermen. I guess. Who don't wear pants. Who don't wear pants. No pants. Break dance. Even if it's cold. And the leader amongst them, who kind of looks like Burt Reynolds, is Bard. <laughs> Bard uh, the, the Bowman. Bowman. Bard the Bowman. Uh, and he'll be important. Who speaks Bird. Yeah. <laughs> Bard the Bowman who speaks, speaks Thrush. Bird. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel the Thrush addicted to your touch. But they finally, no. they start to approach no, no. closer to uh, the Lonely Mountain, which reeks of dragon. Because uh, Smaug has presumably been uh, stinking the place up for years and years. Uh, which is probably what Jonathan's doing right now, because he just left the table. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, they, they decide, okay, we got to look for this keyhole. Uh, so, as per the, the prophecy on the map, uh, the light shines upon the keyhole... And uh, Thorin is able to open it with the key, and they send in Bilbo to just survey and steal whatever he can. And he, I think he only manages one pot, <laughs> is, is, if I remember it's a cup, correctly. A yeah. chalice. Yeah. Um, and they all see it, and it's like, oh, wow. Nice. But, like, Bilbo wanders in. Uh, he goes invisible mode for safety. 
Uh, but Smaug, you know, the great and terrible, is sleeping just amongst his gold. He's not spending it. He's just, he likes to, to wrap himself in it and, you know, sleep there. Uh, but famously, I, I think this has never been contradicted, he is the most wealthy villain in the history of literature. Mm. Per, like, capita, in terms of his treasure, he has the most, like, recorded on page, I guess. Does um, he beat Dragon from Shrek? Yeah, <laughs> probably. Hey, as far as, you know... Uh, Seems to be a Greg Nistall watch on this I'm podcast. I'm starting to think that Shrek might have stolen. <laughs> Dragon? <laughs> you know, Shrek? The little Co-opted a lot of bits. It's true. We get a non-Benedict Cumberbatch Smaug monologue Ooh. where he's kind of, uh, him and, and Bilbo are playing some word games with each other. They're kind of like, Bilbo's kind of goading Who's him. Who's the and, finest of us three? And, and Smaug <laughs> is, like is giving it right back. He's looking with his cat eyes uh, to try to find the burglar. His laser beams. His laser beams. His <laughs> High beams on. <laughs> Uh, but as high beams on my tippies, <laughs> as, as per the usual crisis, uh, Smaug is like, you know, it, I bet it was those fuckers down in Lake Town that sent you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go blow up that town, regardless of who sent you or what you're doing here. Uh, and I think Bilbo even leaks the fact that he's there with the dwarves to get revenge. But Smaug is like, I'm still gonna blow up that town anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Bilbo emerges with the chalice. The dwarves are happy. They don't really care that Smaug has taken to the sky and is going to go down and blow up Lake Town. Uh, and they take refuge back inside the Lonely Mountain itself. Um, so Smaug goes to the town. He sets it ablaze. Uh, and the only thing back at the mountain that Bilbo can think to do is to tell the Thresh... I feel the Thresh. Uh, that, that Smaug is missing a scale. And Heather, did you buy this? Via bird language, <laughs> that message is is carried over to Bard, uh, who then, using a black arrow, manages to fire it upon Smaug, hits him where he's missing the scale, and that is the fatal blow that brings the <laughs> and dragon And that arrow down. goes so deep that it kills that big-ass dragon. <laughs> no, I remember Heather saying, what the fuck? <laughs> like, really? It's hubris. Did I you mean... buy it, Heather? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what I don't understand is how you don't, like, melt some gold and make yourself a replacement scale before now. Ooh. Yeah. See, Heather would make a very good dragon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And she but, would know. But as the learning experience on this podcast, you would now know to do that if you were a dragon. And you would that's also true. not have the hubris yeah. to, to show your weakness to everyone and then, you know, try to go destroy... Kenilworth, if they <laughs> if they pissed you off, uh, these are all lessons yeah. to take away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but Smog is is brought down, um, but things are not settled quite yet because uh, for one thing, Lake Town's destroyed. So Bard and <laughs> the, the human populace are uh, going to go and uh, you know they want some recompense from the the treasure in the mountain to rebuild their community. Uh, the wood elves are also there because they're still pissed about, you know, uh, the intrusion. Um, and, uh, you know, Thorin is basically, we're going to, like, hole ourselves up in here 
and wait, you know, do battle with them because this is a fortress, basically. <laughs> the 13 of us are going to battle yeah, two armies. Sure, we'll last. We'll but, make it. But they are getting reinforcements from Thorin's cousin, Dane, uh, who... Off screen, we are told that his army is approaching. Yeah, coming down uh, from Boston. Coming yeah. down from Boston, <laughs> my bro, down from Boston. And uh, they they have not arrived yet. Um, but then Gandalf also <laughs> the shows boss up. Is coming. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, "There's actually uh, four armies here because goblins are on the way." And Where there's a whip, <laughs> they, which is not in this movie. Sadly. I know, I know. Um, but then uh, it, it becomes. A quote-unquote battle of five armies, because uh, it's the it's the dwarves of the mountain. Wrapped uh, it up very quick, mind you. The, the goblins, the right. wood elves, the humans, and the other dwarves from the other place. Uh, Can I just toss in here, the humans are still not in pants. No. Yeah. They have full armor everywhere else. It's yeah. very cold. No, yeah. no. It was the 70s, Heather. They <laughs> have the armor all over their bodies except for their legs and their genitalia. At least Why? it's males. It's like, you know, they've got everything exposed. Usually it's like the female gaze that's going on here. Right? It, it's like a village of He-Man mm. people. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, mm. But Bilbo gets, I believe, knocked unconscious at the beginning of the battle. And wakes up a lot of his friends are dead now <laughs> and they're um, like the war's over <laughs> yeah we won i guess uh but thorin did receive a number of grave injuries he's he's wrapped up in heavy bandages back at the lonely mountain um and him and bilbo have a tearful goodbye even though thorin has kind of been an asshole to him this entire story uh, Bilbo is is quite sad that Thorin uh, passed away. Yeah. Uh, but with that, there you know uh, he's relieved of the contract. He receives his payment, which is why Bilbo is so rich in the Lord of the Rings movies, and he returns home, there and back again, uh, where he chronicles his uh, adventure. Novel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he, he, he gets his, his publishing adventures. deal. He does. What was his first title? It was like I'm going there and I'm coming back again. There, 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 No, there and back again is the final title. Yeah, I don't I know, remember but what, what was his, his first one? It was like uh, a diary of Bilbo. Yeah, he says like, oh, it's the story of Bilbo Baggins or whatever, yeah. and uh, with a little chaser on the end. Yeah, but he returns home forever changed by his adventure, uh, and we know things are not going to stay okay. Mm-hmm. In Middle-earth forever. But that's a different story for a different day. But it is a story for another day. Yeah. And if we want to go round table again, final thoughts on this movie. Yeah, what do we think? If if this viewing, if it either, if you have, this was a new thing for you, go into that. Or if it changed <laughs> your opinion of the film, uh, by all means go into that. Uh, Gabe? I liked it. I uh, <laughs> I liked it, said Gabe. I'm impressed that they put that much uh, lore into 70 minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's really all you needed. It's I almost think. like someone else should have done that. Just having Just seen the film five franchise. Twilight movies be made, 
it's nice that they put all of this into 70 minutes. <laughs> yeah, if... Uh-oh. I, 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 I don't remember... I don't think we mentioned this already, but there was almost a Guillermo del Toro yes. adaptation. Yes. Which, which we all wanted. That was back way before they got Peter Jackson oh. to, to do the Hobbit one. Can you imagine? And what a world. Based on the imagery and concept art that he created, and knowing del Toro's work... I think it would have been visually weirder and closer, maybe, to, to some of the stuff here mm. um, in another reality. Yeah. But good or bad, Gabe, would you say? Oh, I thought it was good. Very nice. Heather? I liked it more than I thought I would, mm. um, considering I fell asleep during the only Lord of the Rings property that I've seen. That's fine. But, like, this was, I don't know. It The animation was good, and... I feel like, I don't know, it was more lively and kept me awake, so. <laughs> Good. Well, yeah, again, because of that shorter length, more is happening more often, so you're, 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 you're probably going to be more entertained, because it's, you know, it's, it's a more concise story. So. Things are certainly happening in this movie. And I do love a good dragon. Of course. Um, Looks like a cat. But you're, you're pleased with this? It's kind of, uh... In terms of Lord of the Rings stuff, it kind of raised your expectations, maybe? 3.5 out of 5 gnomes. Love that. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Great rating scale. Love that. Grant? Well, I like this movie. I have a lot of nostalgia for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's pretty... Che- <laughs> There's a lot of things that are pretty cheesy, but I still really like it. So, yeah. I rated it two thumbs up. Oh, two, two, gnomes two, up. Two? <laughs> two, two, two gnomes, gnomes up. Jonathan? It's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's acceptable. Um, I've seen a lot of Lord of the Rings. I haven't read Lord of the Rings, which is very odd for me because I love to read. <laughs> You've mentioned. You know, I, yeah. But I do. We know. Uh, <laughs> I like this one more because it's got a funny cat dragon. <laughs> and I like the little cat dragon. So I'm going to give it three out of five. Three out of five hobbits. <laughs> Furry foots. If, uh, you know, we can shill for some media preservation, this is, last I checked, still up on Max for the time being, and you never know how long something is going to stay on Max. Oh, yeah. So if you're intrigued by either listening to this or the many memes that have gone around the internet, do try to check it out there before it, you know disappears into the vault before max right. disappears Locked from there the yeah. <laughs> and they become max amount or whatever is, yeah. is the, the merger max amount plus process. yeah paramax which yeah it sounds more like an 80s alien villain so i like that but yeah. uh but yeah yeah that was the hobbit great job you covered that why don't we take a break before our next film huh? yeah yeah okay <laughs> So we're back, 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 back again. I'm Jonathan Kwiatkowski, your cheermeister for this Anime Was Not a Mistake holiday episode, joined as always by my confident co-host. Uh, Dan Ryan, uh, manager of the Wernka Yeah, and I look to my left and who do I see but none other than... Grant 
for a... <laughs> <laughs> from Houston, Texas. Of course, uh, Mike TV. Yeah, Mike TV, that was yeah. the joke, right? Yeah. I look to my right and I feel a blow coming up from the southern coast. It's not in the Hurricane Cuba. Hurricane Cuba, Gabe Rivera. Yep, and then to my south. <laughs> Heather, the first woman on this godforsaken podcast. Thank God wow. for it. But we are back yet, yet, yet again for mm-hmm. another double feature on this Christmas podcast. Yes. And uh, we're doing, again, what uh, we stated at the beginning is, I think, we discussed this a little bit, but it's like a universally beloved m- millennial movie. And we'll get to that. I yeah. think it's in my notes, but we are watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. <laughs> which is a seminal peak I've watched previously on this podcast or adjacent podcast. I'm doing a taboo. Don't tell Matt Cabrera. Mm. Don't tell Mark Zero Jr. But I'm here doing it for you nonetheless. <laughs> because Heather insisted on it. Listen, it's a top-tier film. It is, and it's a good one. Um, but we've got to get to the drawing board, of course. Yeah, we're going to roll them out again. <laughs> With all the detailed notes He's very that you all want to hear, <laughs> that you all have been wanting to hear. Again, the listeners can't see him, the people recording this can't see him. He's just he's a board made of chocolate. <laughs> a board made of chocolate. Uh, you know, maybe he's decorated with some, like, fake rose petals and, like, a, you know, a, a buttercup. Yeah, flour, something like that. <laughs> he's very, he's very Hulu-themed uh, forensic kitchen. And he's yes. filled with marshmallow yeah. internally, so he's in pain constantly. Yeah. His existence is, is you know, sort of like an eldritch abomination that takes whatever shape we need him to take. Yes. Um, but what were we talking about? Willy Wonka and the <laughs> Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, yes. <laughs> so Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a 1971 American musical fantasy film directed by Mel Stewart. He directed other features, including If It's Tuesday, <laughs> This Must, must be, be Belgium, Belgium. <laughs> 1969. Um, one is a Lonely Number, 1972, and Running on the Sun, The Bad Water, uh, 135. <laughs> a lot of numbers in his movies, for some reason, from 2000. Uh, he's also a noted documentarian. Uh, from a screenplay by Roald Dahl based on the, his 1964 novel, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um the film stars the likes of Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, Jack Albertson as Grandpa Joe, Peter Ostrom as Charlie Bucket, Roy Keenier as uh, Henry Salt, Julie Dawn Cole as Veruca Salt, Leonora Stone as Sam Beauregard, um, Denise Nickerson as Violet Beauregard, Dodo Denny as Miss TV, Who's an iconic name, an iconic actor, just mind you. Uh, Paris Themen as Mike TV, Ursula Reit as Mrs. Gloop, and Michael Boner as a Goose's Gloop, and finally Diana Soli as Mrs. Bucket. <laughs> um, the idea for adapting the book into a film came from when director Mel Stewart's 10 year old daughter read the book and asked her father to make a film out of it all um, with Uncle Dave, uh, producer David L. Walper who was not related to the Stewarts at that time. And uh, not related to the Whopper candy either. Which would make sense, wouldn't it? Uh, But Stewart showed the book to Whopper, who happened to be in the midst of talks with the Quaker Oats Company regarding a vehicle to introduce a new candy bar from its Chicago-based company um, regarding a vehicle to introduce... uh, Sorry, this new candy bar. Um, From Nestle. 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 
<laughs> nestled uh, in your bosom. Wolper <laughs> persuaded the company, which had no previous experience in the uh, film industry, to buy the rights to the book and finance the picture for its purpose of promoting a new Quaker Oats Wonka bar. Quaker um, Oats didn't have an experience in the film industry. And a Quaker Oats Wonka bar sounds very dry to me. Do we know what the budget was for this film? It, I, I think I have it in my notes somewhere, but if not, Dan Ryan will look it up for me. Um... I'm just curious, like, this <laughs> seems like time. it would be an awful expensive marketing scheme. Yeah. Like, there had to have been a cheaper way to market the bar. And it ended up not working, uh, because... <laughs> not walking. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, I, I'm not looking ahead in the packet, I don't know if we get to this. <laughs> the packet that John has assembled. But, uh, the candy bar that they shipped out to tie into the movie... Uh, like chemically or chemistry-wise, couldn't <laughs> chemically like, chemically it, unstable. Chemistry. Heather's it, like, it, go on. It couldn't last at room temperature. So yeah. when they shipped them out to stores, they would melt on the shelves. Oh my god! And so they recalled them. And so when the movie came out, the tie-in titular candy bar was not actually available for sale. Uh, so the whole point kind of went down the drain. At that yeah, so. Yeah. Dan Ryan had Funnily enough, half, yeah. both films we watched today, or, yeah, it's one episode. Yeah. $3 million. Wow. Same budget. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Good to know. Wow, that's interesting. It's a synchronicity. Yeah. A lot of candy. <laughs> uh, Wait, so, so question again, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. Um, they just were planning on making a chocolate bar already and weren't going to call it the Wonka bar? I don't know. Well, from the sound of it in this timeline... They wanted to get some kind of candy bar out onto the market. Roald Dahl's book was already, like, you know, like, well-known as a kid's book. And it's like, fuck it, buy the rights to that. We'll put that on the candy bar. Okay. And then the movie sprung forth as, like, an expensive marketing tool for that. Mm. Uh, I I think is the case. That makes sense. (laughs) And then the chocolate bar ended up sucking, and it was kind of a flop when it it had theatrical It just didn't look as good as it was in the movie, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Like, they look delicious. Mm. But there's just, like, one thing, because I've seen it when other, like, YouTubers and such have talked about this movie. Go ahead, Sister Margareta. Speak! The fact that this (laughs) was made by, like, a guy who did documentaries... I think lends itself well to the weird little vignettes at the beginning. Oh, the vignettes. Because he would have... Love that. Dan Ryan, who are you sitting next to me across this table today? What? I, I am not allowed to know that Challenging me at like my film knowledge, huh? But uh, he, it was kind of like one of those things where it's like everything feels very dry and, and like offbeat at the beginning. Probably because the guy filming it had only, you know, he had a lot of experience with documentaries, so he would just do, like, blunt, dry interviews with people, Mm. and they wrote some, like, quirky dialogue to go into those situations, and a lot of people, including you, Jonathan, say that those are your favorite parts of the movie, because they're so, they're like a quirky, semi-British, you know little like mm. world building that we get yeah. So, yeah. although uh, conversely there were some moments that could have used some b-roll because they cut from scene to scene sometimes pretty drastic. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> which Hard might be a sign cuts. of it too yeah. is that like it, they weren't used to making a, like a regular movie like yeah. this so mm-hmm. yeah so Walper and Roald Dahl agreed that Dahl <laughs> would also write the screenplay uh, though credit for the film Dahl had not delivered a completed screenplay at the start of production 
and Lonely gave an outline pointing to the selections from the book. Uh, Walper called in David Seltzer uh, for an uncredited rewrite after Dahl left for creative differences. Uh, Walper promised to produce Seltzer's next film for his lack of a credit as they needed to maintain credibility for keeping Dahl's name attached to the production. Uh, also uncredited were several short humorous scenes by screenwriter Robert Kaufman about the golden ticket like hysteria that was going on. So like the, the main like vignettes that was going on here. And I... Again, this was, I, I think I've heard something to the effect that because of Roald Dahl not getting the screenplay done in time, there was some kind of, like, chaotic scenario where they locked one of the screenwriters in, like, a cabin and told them, you need to fucking write the Willy Wonka script <laughs> because we need it to film in, like, two days. Oh, damn right, pulling uh, out the page on this episode. I, it, was, <laughs> it's, it was either for the screenplay itself or for the... Because I know the music had to be written really quickly, too. Like, they mm. had the... I think they had to come up with some of these songs before the screenplay had even been yeah. completed. So it's like, give me a chocolate song. They said, <laughs> we are the music makers, we are the dreamers yeah. of dreams. No, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's why it has, like, the Evangelion disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> the, the songs in the story. Yeah, so, oh. anime was not a mistake, yes. Uh, changes to the story included Wonka's character giving more emphasis over Charlie. Uh, Slugworth, originally a minor character who was a Wonka industry rival in the book, was reworked into a spy so that the film could have a villain for intrigue. Uh, a belching scene was added with Grandpa and Charlie having fizzy lifting drinks. The walnut-shelling squirrels changed to golden egg-laying geese. And the ending dialogue from the book. Just so you know, if you ever want to read at some point. Uh, Walper decided that Stewart, that the film should uh, would be a musical, and approached composers Richard Rogers and Henry Massini, uh, but both declined unfortunately. Eventually, they secured the songwriting team of Leslie uh, Bracus and Anthony Newley. For this who? Team. I don't know. Exactly, Heather. I, I don't know who they are. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was released by Paramount Pictures on June 30th, 1971. The film was not a big success, eventually earning $4 million worldwide on a budget of $3 million, and was the 24th highest grossing film of the year in North America. So, you know, it made back its budget, but it wasn't that successful at the time. Meanwhile, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Johnny Depp, had a $150 million budget. Uh, oh, oh, you knew that, huh? <laughs> yeah, you he researched that. that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the film received generally positive reviews from critics. Roger Ebert, who I quote religiously on this podcast, being the best critic, uh, gave the film four out of four stars, calling it probably the best of its sort since The Wizard of Oz. It is everything that family movies usually claim to be but aren't. Delightful, funny, scary, exciting, and most of all, a genuine work of imagination. Willy Wonka is such a surely and wonderfully spun fantasy that it works on all kinds of minds and is fascinating because, it, like all classic fantasy, it is fascinated with itself. Which is true. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, it, it does, it takes everything within itself, even the comedic stuff, like Wonka takes it seriously. So that, yeah. Yeah, that fits. On review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> as we mentioned also often, uh, the film has a 91% approval rating. Wow. Well deserved. People. Yeah, uh, with an average rating of 7.9 based on critic reviews. Is it well. certified fresh? No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's rude. And based on Roald Dahl, who disowned the film and was infuriated by the plot <laughs> and deviations and considered the music to be saccharine, sappy, and sentimental. A movie about candy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dahl, <laughs> saccharine. But Dahl was not the best person. 
No. Which we have to agree on. He was very anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah, as we know now. He yeah. had a lot of bad things to say about non-white people. Mm. Yes, he did. <laughs> so his so, opinion of the candy movie. What is, is it with <laughs> children's book writers and this? They were crazy Toxic. bastards. <laughs> I don't know. He was also disappointed because the film placed too much emphasis on Willy Wonka and not enough on Charlie. <laughs> and because Gene Wilder was cast as Wonka instead of Spike Milligan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, Spike you know Milligan. The famous Spike Milligan. <laughs> in 1996, Dahl's second wife, Felicity, commented that on her husband's objections toward the film adaptation of his work, saying, They always want to change a book storyline. What makes Hollywood think children wants the endings changed for a film when they accept it as a book? Mm. But I have to say to Felicity, children don't read anymore, <laughs> so. I don't know. I think it's a kind of weird choice. That they steered towards Willy Wonka instead of Charlie. Yeah. I feel like he Charlie is like a more fundamentally likable character. I feel like Tim Burton stirred to that, but I think that Gene Wilder is definitely a standout in this film. Yeah. And he does so for a reason. And I can also see that like they wanted to not just focus on Charlie. Like all of the kids have their own characters. Yeah. But still. Mm. Like, the dynamic still, I, like, I think kind of works with Charlie and, and Willy Wonka, because it's like, Charlie is still the protagonist, and then, like, Willy Wonka's, like, the wizard. He's, like, the magician who's, you know, guiding this adventure through, like, you yeah, know... he's very Ingmar Bergman the magician. Trickery. Well, no, like a certain <laughs> Gandalf the Grey. Yeah, the Gandalf, movie. if you will. Right, well, uh, it's a classic film reference, but no one will get He it. knows what he's doing, even if he speaks in vagaries... You know, he's... know your audience, John. <laughs> I know, I know. Why do I dare steam educated on this show? But anyway, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory remained in obscurity in the years immediately following its original release. Uh, when the distribution rights lapsed in 1977, Paramount declined to renew, considering it not viable for public consumption at that time. Um, the rights defaulted back to the Quaker Oats Company, which was no longer involved in the film business. Surprise again. Yeah, after, you got your, you got, Gabe was like, I need an answer. After several Quaker Oats! <laughs> I love that Quaker man. But, after the uh, dinosaur oatmeal film failed yeah. to materialize. I love the dinosaur oatmeal. I do I eat too. that every day of my life. Um, but and therefore sold them Warner Bros. Uh, to Warner Brothers for five hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Um, Walper engineered the rights sale to Warner, where he became a corporate director after selling his production company to it its previous year. Uh, by the nineteen eighties, the film had experienced an increase in popularity due to repeated television broadcast and gained cult status with a new audience in home video sales and I guess drugs, <laughs> <laughs> which is a common theme with our two movies tonight. Yeah, we should have been high mm. as a kite. Yeah. I don't endorse this. <laughs> all right. In no, 19... we were very good. <laughs> yeah. We were good. We, we survived. Were good folks tonight. We're all alive, yeah. Because we wanted to be coherent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After last year. <laughs> and not drift into oblivion. So. Let, let's yeah. see if we can finish all the pages. Yeah. yeah. In 1996, there was a 25th anniversary theatrical re-release, which grows to film a further $21 million. Wow. wow. Mm -hmm. um, in 2003, Entertainment Weekly ranked it as the 25th in the top 50 cult movies of all time. Um, it's nominated for an Oscar, being Best Original Music Slash Score. Which doesn't really exist anymore. Sometimes it pops up, but not really anymore. Um, I like that award. Um, the original score and songs were composed by Leslie uh, Bricus, 
and Anthony Newley, uh, and musical direction by Walter Schaefer. The soundtrack was first released by Paramount Records in 1971, and Sammy Davis Jr. recorded the song The Candyman, which became his only number one hit. Wow. That's some weird trivia there. Uh, yeah. It would spend three weeks... At wait, the, wait, wait. That was his only number one only hit? Only number one hit. Um, it would spend three weeks at the top of the Billboard Hot 100 charts starting June 10th, 1972, and two weeks at the top of the Easy Listening chart, but that's his only number one hit, and he was originally supposed to play the Candyman in this movie, but he dropped out of it because he thought it would detract from his career. Mm-hmm. Wait, why did the song come out a year after the movie? Because... That's what they did back then in the 70s, I guess. I don't know, Heather. That's weird. Yeah. Um, but why this film? Yeah. Why do we watch this film? Do we all have a connection to this film? Uh, does it uh, relate to a certain point in the season? Did we all watch this as children? I don't know. Um, I was definitely experienced with this film. Film. <laughs> it happened a lot in my life. I, I watched it a lot. I enjoyed it. Um, nothing really scared me, um, but it was there, and I think that every millennial that's here on this podcast will agree with me. Um, yeah, it was, I, I mean, for me growing up, and probably for all of us, I, I think it most frequently aired on, like, ABC Family. Um, who, the freeform? In, in terms of, uh, you know, we're younger than we think we are. A Mandela effect thing, but... I feel like it did used to air around the holidays before they got into the Harry Potter stuff. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Gabe, you noted that now, it like, the, the Harry Potter movies are counted as Christmas stuff. And that kind of supplanted all the other family movies. But I feel like, okay, if we have the rights to a classic family film, we'll stick it near Christmas mm-hmm. when families get together. Um, but no, I've seen this movie, like, hundreds of times. And I, I've never heard anyone, you know... Hate it. Aside from like being weirded out by like the tunnel scene or anything else. Aside from Grandpa Roke hate it. What? <laughs> no. Hold what? on. Hold no, on. No, I'm just kidding. Was this a school Scandal. movie? Was uh, this yeah. a wheel the TV into the classroom? This was movie? me I'm when I brought the VHS of Snow Day into the room mm-hmm. and everyone was like, Let's watch Snow Day and I felt like the king of the world that day. Mm-hmm. But it was very Charlie the Chalk Factory. Everyone watched it then. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the frequent pick for that yeah. and frequent airing on TV. Um I, I don't know why this movie in particular, but it probably just speaks to its quality and how often it was on. It was just one of the, like, a perfect storm of things yeah. to, to make it stand out. Like, there's other examples that we have, like, uh, like, I don't know, I don't know if you want to count, uh... Eight Crazy Nights, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adam exactly, Sanders, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Another um, great Christmas classic. movie. A classic Christmas movie, yeah. Uh, a Christmas Story. Christmas Story, yeah. where, you know... Even if it wasn't like a like a smash hit at first, repeated traditional yearly viewings kind of gave it a second life, maybe. And it's a wonderful life. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And it hit public domain. That's Listen to guy. that episode for a fun time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the most popular TV streamed Christmas movie, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Oh. Yeah, unironically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be there one year. Yeah, uh, but Gabe, what do you think about this movie? What's your experience? I don't know. I saw it a lot as a kid. It's a classic. I was a little bit uh, scared of it, like Pee Wee, when I was a kid, because it's a little, it's a little straight up. There's a basement in the Alamo. Large Marge. <laughs> Large well, we Marge. We watched that. Don't worry, Dan. Without you, we were here. We did that experience. You missed it. 
Heather, you rubbed it in. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good experience, yeah. But you watched a lot, Heather. Care to know. explain? I feel like most of the movies I remember from like being little are just because my dad liked them and oh. always turned them on. Okay. This was one of them. That's Ferris Bueller's we... Day Off was yeah. the other one. Mm-hmm. I relate to that a lot because my dad used to show me a lot of movies too. Yeah. But I will say, one specific scene in this film has haunted me my entire adult life. <laughs> and we'll get there. You'll have, your, you'll have your podium to speak on. And, I don't know, I, I can't believe I'm the only one. <laughs> you are. I, I disagree. There must be someone else out there. If you're listening, please contact me. Yes. And Grant Farouk. Um, we had it on video as kids so we watched VHS, a lot. Yeah. VHS. VHS. Yeah. Um, yeah so we watched it a lot I never watched it on TV though so I do not associate this movie with Christmas wow. at all but okay. I could see where people could do that you would watch it in the summertime when the weather summertime, was hot springtime summertime <laughs> when the chocolate was melting baby anytime <laughs> anytime but Christmas anytime but Christmas yeah alright so shall we get into the plot notes then huh I think this is a classic film for the millennial generation. Oh, I think we got it because this was something. Is after review Wonka. We Dan we, really interrupted me. We, <laughs> I said, Dan, should we proceed? And you said, No. We we, we no. But this is something. This is something no. to think on. This has never happened on the podcast before. The precedent has been broken. But uh, oh, you've got a backbone tonight, <laughs> huh? But we we did discuss when we saw Wonka. Is that if we lived in a world of whimsy in which we won a contest to visit a big chocolate factory? It's in my notes, but fine, yeah. Like, would we, like, how would we feel about that personally? All right, so I guess I have to start off. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't like this. (laughs) I wouldn't enjoy this. I would get a golden ticket and it would be wasted on me because, guess what, y'all? I'm not a chocolate fan. I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't like candy. I like Grant's cheesecake. <laughs> I like Gabe's. What do you make that sweet panzerotti? I don't fucking know. I'm more of a savory guy, so I'd be there in the waiting room being like, you guys have your fun. So this movie was literally wasted on me, but I enjoyed it. I liked like the, the experience, but I would not be enjoying the Chocolate Factory tour. <laughs> Dan? What, what, no, what, what would be your ideal factory? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What would chicken, be? Par- chicken Park Factory. <laughs> Willy Wonka's Chicken Park Factory. <laughs> chicken, chicken. Press the chicken. Come with me. Is there a river of marinara that you can go down? <laughs> exactly. Just well, you would say gravy in that case. <laughs> chicken Park Factory. <laughs> Would be my ideal, but yes, this movie's wasted on me. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, I love candy. I love sweets candy. of all kinds. I would, I would probably be in paradise. Uh, I, old me though would be freaked out by like the health ramifications of everyone touching and licking all of the shit in the room. But if I had the the factory to myself. I would I would certainly be happy in a world full of chocolate and <laughs> other edible things. So, uh, Gabe, what about you? I think I could do a candy factory, but there were too many the the lo- like lollipop ratio yes, in that room yes. was yes. too high. 
everyone was you really... You won't be sucking. Yeah, they were, <laughs> they were very jazzed about the same candy in that room. Yeah, which, you know. which could be a budget. Well, listen, like, Grant <laughs> also brings up a candy later that I'd be enamored with. Like, I would love, but the rest... Like Wait, a chocolate mallow blaster or whatever they're eating. Oh, oh, yeah, the moon yeah, yeah. pie. Yeah, the moon pie. Oh, the moon yeah. pie. Yeah, give me some more of that. That would, that would get me. Give me some. But, throw it to uh, Narnia. Else, some no. some Turkish delight. Yeah, you know. Turkish delight. <laughs> delight. What are we in Narnia? Which of the wardrobe? No, but I I agree. So yeah. then, like on the very similar note, my ideal factor would also be leaning more towards the chocolate ratio. Yeah. Because that, yeah, because I agree. Anything is, else? Because they had a lot of balloons, mm. so they had to do a lot of lollipops and other things that yeah. looked like balloons. I agree so. with Gabe, though. Lollipops, they take too much to yeah, get no to. One, no one wants that whole lollipop. No, no, no way. No. I'll let you lick the lollipop. Do you bite a lollipop or do you lick it? Didn't know we had 50 Well, is it a Tootsie <laughs> Roll or what, what kind of lollipop are we talking about? Those let's big Disney a, lollipops. You can't even I would, really I would lick no. that. The, that spiral no. <laughs> Disney lollipop, I'd lick that. That's whimsy maxing there as you get that I remember one of those at Disney. With your straw Mary Poppins hat. Pigtails and skipping down the road. I would, yes, but I wouldn't bite a lollipop. <laughs> Not even a Tootsie Pop? Oh, a Tootsie Pop. I feel like I crushed my perfect teeth. Then the owl will scream at you. He's <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? I feel like Heather is waiting to answer, so Heather. Oh, you can continue. <laughs> um, I don't know. Actually, my dad and I were just talking today about this, how it feels very 1970s that this was like what they were winning and everyone was very excited about it. Mm. What doesn't make sense to me about it is Hershey Park literally opened like 70 years before that. Mm. So like the chance to go visit a chocolate factory <laughs> always existed. Um, well, we got those singing cows at Hershey. Oh, you go to, you're getting like a censored chocolate factory. You're, yeah. getting, you're getting like the public experience. That's you're different. You're not getting a private yeah. chocolate yeah. factory. We're not getting a viewing. Dan wants to go to the Vatican archives of chocolate. <laughs> what aren't you showing me? Uh, the Swiss Miss Guard. Yes, Swiss yeah, exactly. Miss Guard. Spot on. I just feel you like for me to get that jazz that I need to buy like a bajillion chocolate bars looking for this golden ticket it's gotta come with like a house or a voucher <laughs> to pay off my student loans yes yes or we'll free health later. insurance for yeah. life yeah, please <laughs> I free mean, to, feel free to bring up that point later as well like what would we sell for yeah that? <laughs> I don't know it's a little odd so you're not a chocolate fan then um I don't know I like chocolate but I'm not the type who can just like sit down and eat an entire bar of chocolate. Yeah. What Me if too. what Me too. what if it was just an exotic animal sanctuary? What's the, what's the Reese's okay. bar? Well, <laughs> if it's a Reese's, I'll I'll turn that down the gullet, baby. I'm sorry, but it is Reese's. It is Reese's. It's, it's, it's Reese's. Thank you, Reese's. No, Reese's. Reese's. No, it's Reese's. No, Reese's. It's Reese's. Yeah. Reese's. Yeah. Reese's. Yeah. Reese's. Reese's, Reese's I'm, a, I'm a Southern Belle. It's Reese's rhymes with feces, baby. I wasn't born in New Jersey. Who ever said that? <laughs> no, my no Southern, my, my Southern Tina, Tina teacher Teresa told me that it's the... Reese's. Well, Teresa. <laughs> no, you see, I have met far too many people who say Reese's pieces and suddenly yes. don't yes. know how to say the word piece. I'm, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> 
And I so just what? simply cannot. <laughs> yeah, how do you explain Reese's Pieces? It's Reese's Pieces. It's not Pieces. Well, bitch, you live in a different world. It's then. the Greek pronunciation. <laughs> it's the southern, yeah. southern charm of all. The traditional pronunciation. Southern Jersey, that's how we pronounce the it. The Greek Pisos. <laughs> Don't go on South Jersey. <laughs> the mythological Rysos Pisos. I will say... I won't say pork roll, but I will say Reese's. <laughs> and Grant, what yes. do you think of chocolate? Chocolate, I enjoy chocolate. <laughs> I, I'd be, I've been I'd be known to dabble about this tour. Nobody else seems to be too enthused about this thing. Yeah, but Grant, I, Grant would, I would be like, like I'd be like, yeah, I'll go do, go to a chocolate factory. Will they Why pay not? for our travel? That would yeah, change my question. opinion. I, yeah, where are we going to America? <laughs> We well, live in America. Yeah. <laughs> but, but as for the theory that Wonka's engineering this and Slugworth is his on-the-ground rep, then, like, yeah, they probably, like, slip him the money to go. I think they slip him the money to go there, because it's like, they these are the I, candidates. But, I mean, Wonka, I, but I agree with Hedera. I, I feel the opposite. I feel like they don't slip him the money to go. I feel No, like they, I mean, they have I a global like supply do, chain. I, You'll just end up on a freighter through the Panama Canal with all the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> on the Wonka boat. Yeah. Wonka. Wonka boat. <laughs> on that barge that turns sideways. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> we gotta get this boat. <laughs> Through the Suez Canal. <laughs> the ever melted. <laughs> Quick, we gotta eat all of it. <laughs> and we all just get off the boat with no teeth and... <laughs> Extremely high blood sugar. Yeah. No, I'm there just like, I'm fine. <laughs> I didn't need any of it. Uh, but anyway, let's get into the plot synopsis, shall we? Yeah. And Heather, feel free to interrupt me at any point you want to, because you know, I know you've got a lot to say about this movie. Oh, I have thoughts. Uh, so it's chocolate food porn. Uh, we got the greatest product placement ever. Some vague European setting. Not America, but not Europe. At the same time, it's very raw doll. That's the theme. I'm telling um, you, I think it's supposed to be Germany. I, I think it is too. Um, just like Doll's books, uh, principal photography commenced on August 31st, 1970 and ended in November 19th, 1970 after location scouting in Europe, including the Guinness <laughs> Brewery in Ireland and a real-life chocolate factory in Spain. Production designer Harper Goff uh, decide to house the factory sets and the massive chocolate room at Bavaria Studios. Oh, that's ironic, but that, you know, that was probably a business decision, not not a play on words, but yeah. It was also significantly cheaper than filming in the United States, and the primary shooting locations in Munich, Bavaria, West Germany, uh, made the setting conductive to uh, Wonka's factory. So it was in Germany, Heather. Congrats. I'm proud of myself. Spotted it. Yeah, you did that. Uh, Stewart also liked an ambiguity and unfamiliarity, uh, unfamiliarity to the location, which is very like conducive to Doll's books, which takes place in like America and like anyone can place European. themselves there if they so chose to. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, the neighborhood children run <laughs> to this candy shop for their daily fix. <laughs> Any comments on that? We got the children running there. Yeah, and they're just that, imbibing, paying nothing. Yeah, that bartender sees them coming. He's yeah, got their first tabs. hits free, baby. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing: he he's real quick to charge Charlie. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. He's a poor. That's why. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Was this before the sex offender registry was public? 
Yeah, he's getting a little... <laughs> Some of those kids were behind I'm the bar. i here to ask the hard-hitting <laughs> questions on this podcast. <laughs> questions that you would never ask. <laughs> I never do the hard-hitting journalism. That <laughs> but, but this chocolate bar is a tentpole of the community, and I have to ask everyone, what's their favorite candy? Oh, it's easy. Oh, really? It's really, Gabe? Start, start us it's off, It's an then. American Milky Way. It's my ew, ew! A Milky Way? Yes. You know what? I'll say it. Milky Way's the best. Shut they're up! Fantastic. Shut up! Oh, they're Grant, so good. there's no way you say a Milky Way for the third one. Oh, I'm not going to say Milky Way, but it's going to be equally as divisive, I feel. What? Oh, no, he's going to say Three Musketeers. I like Almond Joys. Oh! Oh, ew! No. Ew! I love Almond Joys. Oh, no. Sometimes Almond I feel like, like a nut. On. They are delicious. I know. Is, yes, they are. This they is are. disgusting. The best candy is a Reese's. Oh, no. Oh, a chocolate and a peanut well, butter. Hold on, hold on. I don't know what you're talking about. I know about a Reese's. A Reese's, fine. <laughs> yeah, a Reese's a cup. A Reese's cup. A Reese's cup. There, are you happy now? Reese's, can, are you familiar with the Almond Joy jingle? <laughs> oh, God. Sing it for us, Heather. You've never heard the commercial? Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts, mounds don't. <laughs> yeah, I have heard that. John acted like I was from the planet Mars. I did. When I, when the Mars I, bar. Planet Mars Planet bar. Mars yeah. candy. <laughs> Mars bar. Let me tell you when I was... Oh, Dan in- is encroaching on the mic. Just <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he's poised. Ready. <laughs> he's poised. He's no. ready to speak. The, the goat, the best of all time, are Butterfingers. Oh, oh, butter. Shut up. Oh, shut shut up. up. Wait, oh, Butterfingers. Butterfingers. Oh, Butterfingers. Bart Simpson. Ah, Butterfingers. <laughs> if Bart Simpson loved it, you know, whatever. Butter- yeah, oh. The best candy bar in existence. You want to eat a bar full of crumbs? <laughs> Delicious crumbs. <laughs> I would. I would. Sm- I would smaug the dragon myself in the Butterfinger crumbs if I could. So that would be my mountain. Okay. <laughs> If Nature Valley was a chocolate bar, I don't want a candy bar that leaves crumbs. (laughs) So Reese's is the best. There's no whimsy. (laughs) I'm sorry, Reese's is not the best. Shut up! It is. It's peanut butter and chocolate in the perfect. If we were taking a poll, Milky Way would have won at this game. Well, we're not so. There. <laughs> what I like about Reese's is it's not like real peanut butter. No, it's, no, like it's this, not. It's like yeah. this kind of like salty. It's like a, an yeah. air. Yeah. Peanut butter yeah. air. Yeah. I didn't know it's that something... you could buy it in a jar on the shelf. <laughs> can Reese's you? peanut butter? You can, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. What? The, the miracles of modern science <laughs> made that possible. When are they going to bring back Reese's Puff, Reese's Puff, I peanut butter chocolate flavor? Love that cereal. Sorry, Reese's Cup, Reese's Thank Cup. Thank you. Thank you, Gabe. <laughs> For understanding how I feel about that, it's yeah. Reese's because it rhymes with feces. There, I said it. No, it's fine. <laughs> Anyways, we debated that. <laughs> uh, it's this, Butterfingers. We, <laughs> we get the Scrum Deadly Umptious Bar, which I'm sure you have a lot of comments on. Oh no, I'm just later on when Charlie wolfs that thing down. It's we'll, like we'll get there. <laughs> It's we'll giving there. big whatchamacallit energy yeah, with its yeah. name. No, Grants and I agree. It's a moon pie. Well, well, no, no, that's a fudge no. now. Oh, God. I've <laughs> tried no, I was, a three-hour episode of anime was not a mistake, I, I see. I was mistaken earlier. So there's that, that weird, like, square 
package. That is but, clearly a moon. Uh, that is but a he moon says Which it's the, the same thing. It's a scrum to Leonchus. No, no, no. It's, no, it's, it's, a it's called mallow. like a mallow blaster or something. Oh, it's like a. I'll mallow it's, it's blast a, you. It's an, un- it's, a, it's an unnamed Wonka product. Yeah. The scrum to Leonchus is the long yeah. like, scrum, mallow mark. That's the old classic bar. And that's the long. We're going here what we're doing. That's the one that the golden ticket comes in. The the round mallow bar one does not have the golden ticket. Neither does something... the scrum diddly umptious. Yeah, yeah, and you got to so like you're buying those. You're you're, you're wasting your. It's only the normal shot. Wonka bar. I've gotten five sentences into my notes, but it's fine. <laughs> so we're in the candy store. Uh, the Candyman originally meant to be played <laughs> we're, by Sammy we're Davis five Jr. Five minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. So the Candyman's originally meant to be played by Sammy Davis Jr., mm-hmm. who had his number one hit. But he um, backed out of that role saying that it might deter his career a bit. Because he'd have all those kids up on him? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to have a pedophile image. <laughs> Understandable. And can you blame him? <laughs> um, but it was a number one hit. Um, uh, and would think people were seeing that... He thought that people would see him like in this minor role as like a major mm. star. Mm. Kind of sort of thing going on here. Yeah. So he didn't want a small cameo. No, <laughs> Could I could I interject with some lore, if I may? Of course, no, 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 not about the not about the movie, but you know, I grew up when I was a kid. We had a place like this. In, in, yeah. In in Shut up. The Kenilworth Soda Shop. Pedophile's house down the street. No, it was. Shut up. It was an ice cream store that Shut sold up. a wide variety of candy. This sounds like Cranford, but Kenilworth. And you know, it was it was great for what it was, and I feel like that kind of place is is dying out it's now. Dying out. It, it's like because it, it was you would walk in there. Obviously, you would go there for ice cream and shakes and shit. But they would have the whole range of candy, every variety of warheads, which were a big deal for our generation, I think. And, you know, it, all that stuff. But then... It, there was an actual war going they, on they, Syria, they, they you ignored that, huh? They increased their prices to such a degree that children like myself could not shop there, and then they just went out of business. Their so it's like... Yeah. They really flopped. But it was it was a, a magical place for that brief time. Yeah. Bring it back, please. <laughs> so, young Charlie Bucket, played by Peter Ostrom. Well, hold on, I have a question. I have an interjection. Now, <laughs> okay, cool. Before we move on to Charlie Bucket, yeah. at the very end of the Candyman number, yeah. he's given out that awful, awful... Disgusting. Candy the dots. But- the, yeah, the candy <laughs> buttons. And Can we all agree we hate the dots? Has anyone ever paper? liked those no. ever in history? Never, never. I hated them. So I have I mean, another... You put them in front of me, I'll eat them. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's true of a lot of things. I'm sure you would, Dad. Bones and all. Paper and all. Sit there in front of the roll Bones and just... And <laughs> our most unhinged episode to date. So I, I, have, I have a question for the round table is what is the worst candy oh. that like you would always trade oh. away at Halloween? Oh. oh, that's a question. You better go reverse because I gotta think about that. Alright. For me it was the Charleston Chews. I wanted oh. to get, get rid of those. No, you know what I'll agree with I'll agree with man. It was Charleston, Charleston Chew. I hated those bitches. I hated them candies. I've never been a fan of the Mr. Goodbar. Oh, you know what I will say? I never traded it away, but it's a bad candy. Twizzlers. Oh, oh, oh that's, Twizzlers are that's good too. they're not good. They don't yeah. taste like anything. Um, <laughs> I can agree. I agree. If 
you exclude the pull and peel cherry. Sure, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. If you exclude those, I will meet you in the middle. The pull and peel ones are you know good. That's a good. Uh, I'll change my answer to Twizzler. I, I don't like them. Yeah, I like Twizzlers. I don't. I'm not a red vine, not a Twizzler fan. I'm gonna go with one on a technicality because <laughs> I would never turn down any candies willingly. Please say Almond Joy. Say Almond Joy. No, no, no. I actually like those. Say Reese's and I'll slap you. No, no, no. one would say that. I'm saying like in purely like a like a practical sense, milk duds because they would oh. get rock oh, yeah. solid. Oh, oh yeah. That's true. You want to take a cavity out? That's how you pull a tooth. <laughs> yeah. 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 You like cement your jaw. I've shut. seen my life saying. flash before my eyes when I <laughs> close my jaw. And like, yeah, no. And that's, that's like, I feel like if you got like, you know, fresh off the conveyor belt, milk duds are probably better. But yeah. when whenever we were trick-or-treating, they're always in like that loose cardboard package. Yep, yeah. yep, 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 yep. And you would toss one in and it would shatter your... <laughs> Your jaws, yeah. and then it would stick into your like fillings and stuff, yeah. and then your mouth would pull apart. See, it's so funny that's because why... you were allowed to go trick or treating. I wasn't. Mm. Why? Well, it's an anti-Catholic holiday. <laughs> we should unpack that. Maybe that's why you don't like the chocolate factory. I. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we have to stick strictly to the notes. <laughs> Shut up, Heather. <laughs> you know what, Heather? <laughs> Don't come back. That's why he uses the Roman pronunciation of Reese's. <laughs> Roman Reese's. Rise with Reese's. Percy Jackson and the Reese's Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> so we meet young Charlie Bucket, who's played by Peter Ostrom. We're now ten and minutes into the he, movie. <laughs> he gazes in longingly, but can't afford chocolate because he's a poor. <laughs> What a good boy delivering papers poorly. <laughs> He's tossing them into like salad bowls and where <laughs> throwing them into. Uh, Charlie saunters on by Willy Wonka's horrific factory before being accosted by a knife salesman quoting Allingham at him. <laughs> Heather, any thoughts? I don't know. As I said earlier, I just can't imagine myself, even if I was walking past some kind of factory that seemed interesting. Standing there and ominously staring in the gate. I yeah. will be going home. Exactly, Heather. <laughs> you and I agree. If a creepy knife salesman creeps up behind me, is like, want to buy my knives? Here's some And that's treat. how you know that it wasn't a woman who was playing Charlie. Yeah. Because any woman would know a mile away that someone like that was following. <laughs> And people, people do usually point to that as, like, the weird, surreal setting where there's just a guy with a knife sharpening cart walking. Because it's, like, a, it's it's unsettling. It's just, like, it's a it's a strange little, yeah. if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it, like, well, character. So. I'm used to best musical winner, Oliver. Mm -hmm. There's a knife salesman in Oliver, and that's, like, common practice there. But that's Cockney London. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. America London. This could be Cockney London. At the current London. age, so... I agree, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the dark extra little facets like that might have been part of why it wasn't so popular at the beginning. But we kind of like that now, though, right? We like a little darkness. Yeah, no, but we like, like a little bitter to our chocolate. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but in 1971 when it came out, yeah. like I don't know if that's the vibe people were going for for yeah. bringing their children to films. Yeah. Uh, no one ever goes in or comes out this chocolate factory uh we get the bucket home life for invalids in a bed 
Yeah, they stay in the bed. Uh, with Grandpa Joe being particularly vocal in his... Unbelievable. Yeah. Because he still ha- he still <laughs> enjoys his tobacco, yep. uh, despite not leaving the bed. We get Joe, George, Georgina, and Josephine, who are my relatives. It's basically my life. And for the here. first time ever in this viewing, I noticed that they all have bedpan. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buckets, if you will. <laughs> That's yeah. the family name. It's the Bucket Buckets. <laughs> Bucket, bucket. <laughs> um, I said, like, what do they do in that bed? What's going on? They're getting deep vein thrombosis. <laughs> and they're marinating. <laughs> <laughs> we get cabbage water again for dinner. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, and also some yeah. loaf of bread, baby. <laughs> Heather would not be feeling this cabbage water. <laughs> cabbage smells so bad. As a Polak, she would be attacking me. <laughs> Right now. They're about to be served that laundry water. But, uh, well, that yeah, that's what I always great. thought. If, <laughs> if, you're, if you're hungry, that laundry water is looking good. Looking <laughs> pretty good right now. But it's like Charlie is being selfless. He got his first, like, paycheck from the paperboy and route. And he, he gives them some crusty bread. He, get, he gets them it some looks bread. Good. The bread looks good. Yeah. Like, it's, it's prop like it's bread. It's, yeah, prop it's bread. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, but so he's, he's already, we know that he, he's selfless and he cares about people. Yeah, and Grandpa Joe tells him the lore of, like, the Wonka Chaka factory, that, like, Wonka closed the factory long ago because there were spies. Yeah, corporate espionage, shut it down, and no one, like, there's no way that that the factory could be maintained without a local workforce, so they don't know how he does it, but it's it's a mystery. And particularly Slugworth was involved, but we see, based on Wonka, that that race had not continued on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a very eclectic thing that's going on here interesting yeah uh but still the gates are closed who was helping him in there we don't know yeah we don't know what's going on and there was like a three-year time gap where apparently you know the, the factory was shut down and then it reopened again uh presumably just you know we don't know how it's operating yeah so then we get charlie in class with mr turpentine and I feel like Heather should take over at this point. I mean, there's just nothing that makes sense about this chemistry class. Why did he have H2O on the board? Yeah, they're learning about dihydrogen, dihydrogen monoxide. He yeah, had a globe. Literally. Yeah. A globe for some reason. The next class we see is strategic percentages. I mean, what kind of class is this? They're making hair oil? What was it? Yeah, hair oil. <laughs> hair oil. I really thought you were about to say heroin, and I was going to be. No. They're making heroin. Um. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what they were making, but it didn't make sense. Yeah, they were making something weird. Where if you added stuff in the wrong order, including this chemical X, <laughs> yeah. then you could blow up the school, and then he just dumped all three in at once. So, like, how can you add it in the wrong order? Mm. I don't know. Not one graduated cylinder in sight. No, no. Absolutely not. Mm. But this guy, this teacher gives off, like, definite British comedian vibes, because everything he says is very, like, snarky and back and forth. Uh, with, you know, with Charlie. Um, and there's, there's things going on in the background uh, here. Uh, but in our life, yeah. In the movie or in our life? What do you uh, mean, But, man? you know, there's, you know... Uh, you know, uh, they're in school, and 
Class is interrupted by a young Liza Minnelli. Oh my god! <laughs> looks exactly like Liza with a Z! Who announces that Wonka is for the first time opening the gates of his factory for this contest uh, where famously five golden ticket holders will be allowed in, you know, for a tour, and those tickets are hidden within the classic Wonka bars. Now, I have to interrupt you at this point. I have to ask you all. What would it mean to win a golden ticket to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory at this point? Um, in 2023, you mean? No. Well, yes, I guess we can combine two <laughs> questions. For me, if a chocolate factory ticket was given to me for a full-fledged, you get everything, it would mean nothing to me. <laughs> I would be in the waiting room going, you have fun, kids. Oh. It's not my game. I'm not a sweets person. Yeah. If it was a chicken pot factory, as we discussed. I have a migraine. That, <laughs> I would be the not, Susan not Ryan me. going, no, not me. I'm sorry. I'm, you, you go have fun, kids. But I would still compete. No, but what for the world in 2023? What is, what, what is the fandom... Selected ticket craze that I'm, would happen. I'm gonna circumvent my answer to Heather Chalala, who gave the perfect answer for this answer. <laughs> Wait, what did I say? The, the 2023. Oh. What was your 2023 Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah I, I, I will say, I feel like if any fandom was gonna go that crazy, it would have to be Swifties. Yeah. And I, they would find those tickets. <laughs> They wouldn't they even would have kill. to unwrap the chocolate. They would kill for those tickets. Yeah. I know Dan Ryan would strangle me for a <laughs> fucking ticket. In those Swift brand chocolate bars that I guess would be distributed yeah, the at that point. Oh, you yeah. know there would just be a collab between like Hershey or Nestle and Taylor Swift. And Maluma or whoever. <laughs> yeah, like whoever. <laughs> to win a trip to the Taylor Swift factory <laughs> and or mansion or something for a tour. Who she wouldn't be there for. She would not be there. And she would not be there, be there anyway. You'd be like, Taylor lived here. And, and then, but we were trying to think like what would actually get people excited. I, the only other thing I could think of was Fortnite. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, I could I see that. Kids, I don't know. Do, do kids care about candy still? Yeah. No. They do. They eat. But adults care about Happy Meals because now there's an adult Happy Meal that everybody. It's like a limited release what? with what are you with about? chicken wow. nugget toys. Oh, you, bet, that you are better for be adults. bringing me that on no, that already on Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> you better be bringing me that, honey. Yeah, no, but that that did that did happen. They gave out like the art piece. Uh, <laughs> Grant's fact checking. Googling. Grant, Grant pulled out his phone. And they gave out like the horrible solid plastic like uh, McDonald's. Characters. I love that. You better give me that. I got the grimace. It, it, did, was... did they have Mayor McCheese? I don't remember. <laughs> I feel like it was only three. Oh come on! But but no, I didn't. McDonald's would probably be able to get that reaction. Like if yeah. you want a trip to the McDonald's manufacturing plant for the want McNuggets. A to a McDonald's. <laughs> to a McDonald's. <laughs> Any McDonald's. McDonald's is the, the kind of place. place. But they're kind of like the Wonka. Like they, they, they are. They yeah. around Definitely. like a titan. I would so prefer would. them over a Wonka bar any day. You just walk around the McDonald's <laughs> like, use cheeseburgers. Are you talking about these things? Yes. No. Yes. No, that, that's, that's what the, they give. Yeah, so those are the new ones. Those, those are the ones that are out ones, now. Yes. Yeah. The podcast audience is lost. They previously did modern art ones, uh, yeah. which which were of much lower quality than those ones. Yeah, I think for me though, it would be more 
Well, it would be less about the tour and more about the lifetime supply of oh, product. Yeah. Right? True. Life, lifetime supply mm. of McDonald's. McDonald's. If you're having oh, a lifetime yeah. supply of McDonald's, that's like 20 years. Lifetime supply <laughs> of like 20 years well Wawa Hoagies. Ooh. That's an investment. That's true. <laughs> You get to of, 20 years of what? Wawa Hoagies. <laughs> you get to tour okay, Wawa man. University. If they, had, if they had this type of promotion in the Philadelphia Camden Wilmington market, yes. 1,000% everyone would be passing away to go to the Wawa factory. Bite into your hoagie, find a golden ticket. Oh my god. Yeah. During hoagie fest. Yeah. You just unwrap your sandwich, and there it is. <laughs> and then, Grant, how would you feel about the Chocolate Factory tour? I mean, I would be, I'd be happy with the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone else is like, oh, I wouldn't want that. Grant like, said, no I, notes. I, take it. <laughs> I keep the same. <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> I like chocolate. 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 Uh, so I said, where is the board? Willy Wonka is opening the gates for five lucky winners, uh, golden tickets, and wonky bars. Wonka bars. Wonka. <laughs> wonky bars. Wonkar Y bars. <laughs> Wonkar Y bars. <laughs> wonky bars are like the off-brand. <laughs> they, they were made of roof tiles. <laughs> It's fine, we've been here before. Um, Mass Worldwide (laughs) Panic. Isn't there a war going on at this current point? Um, And I say this is the best part of the movie, these vignettes that are going on in between these Wonka bars being filmed. Wow, you stole a word from Dan? Yeah. (laughs) Shut up! up. (laughs) You know Dan Ryan doesn't know how to read. But well, he used vignettes. it before you did. No. So. He was reading them hot so notes. He was reading before you were. Yeah, right. Uh, so we got the making of uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and his favorite scene was cut after the poor test screenings. Um, in the scene, which took a lot of preparation and money to film, an English explorer climbs a holy mountain to ask a guru uh, the meaning of life. Uh, the guru what? requests a Wonka bar. Uh, finding no golden ticket, he says, "Life is a uh, life is a disappointment." Uh, Stewart loved the scene, and but few laughed during this like pre-screening. It definitely would have fit. It, yeah. it fits the tone. It matches the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe like they were worried it might have been like offensive, perhaps. Yeah, is it? There's a chance they were worried in 1970. Did they care about 1970, that, that I, was I think offensive. They did, but they still put Tilda Swinton in the Marvel movie. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. That's well. That's entirely yeah. <laughs> so he then invited a psychologist friend to a preview where the audience reaction was again muted. Uh, the psychologist told them, "You don't understand, Mel." For a great many people, life is a disappointment. Wow. <laughs> and that's the end of that story. Uh, so then we got Japan, the White House, Wonka Mania, uh, therapist and client going on like, you know, um, have you ever like thought about a Wonka bar before? You're going through divorce. And he's like, well, the Archangel Gabriel revealed to me that the Wonka bar, the, the Wonka golden ticket is in this bar. Yeah. Like, where is so, it? Yeah. So can we just for a second talk about how they cut a scene because a psychologist said people are actually depressed yeah and then they made a mockery of therapy with another scene five minutes later see heather you got that right there you called them out wtf yeah (laughs) 
Quiet. That's my <laughs> statement. <laughs> Quiet on the pod. Uh, so we get one young portly boy, a goose sloop, Dan Ryan. Portly? Wow. Who is the embodiment of gluttony. Uh, we get cast because he looks like a kid who would want to stuff his pastry. Ew. Is that what? that's what the director said? We, I hate that. We cast Augustus Gloop because he looked like he's a kid who wants to stuff his own pastry. That's disgusting. Yes, and it's not creepy at all. Um, we get a menacing man that whispers in Augustus's ear. So we get serving up some sausages. Yeah. Uh, then we get Charlie's birthday: a red knitted scarf and a piece of chocolate for his birthday. More than you've got, Gabe. Mm. So. But here's what I don't understand. And it'll come up again. If Grandpa Joe has not left the bed in 20 years, yes. from the where <laughs> does he get these chocolate from bars? From his pants, man. What, does the Wonka factory have a direct line to his pants? I mean, and he doesn't have pants. He has a nightgown. <laughs> yeah. He has a moo-moo. Uh, That's what I say. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting it over the phone. There's no phone within arm's reach. He's calling aloud. <laughs> Give me a bar. They live like next door to the factory, so. Yeah. But they live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Or also, he just makes it. <laughs> he forces Mrs. Bucket to go buy it. Yeah. So I say, golden ticket, nope. The first opening. Elsewhere, the spoiled Veruca Salt selfishness, who she embodies, uh, uh, bemoans at her father to find a golden ticket. Using the manual labor of the peanut factory line. Salts peanuts. And this is actually not actual chocolate bars. I know. I have to reveal to you. Actually not actual. Yeah, this is um, just wooden bars covered in tinfoil. Wow. That these people aren't wrapping at this point. Yeah, I mean, with a budget of three million, they couldn't afford that much chocolate. Yeah, and I wrote down Veruca Salt as one of my most coveted roles in all of Mm. cinema. I would love to be Veruca Salt. Oh, yeah, no, you, like, even when we started yeah. talking over doing Wonk, like, Veruca has always been a top-tier character for you, I think, so. Yeah, yes, I agree. Um, make them work nights. <laughs> make them work nights! <laughs> um, 19,000 bars an hour. The strange man again is seen in her ear, being Slugworth, as Heather pointed out. Uh, the world is going to shit. Uh, shipments going all over the world. Supercomputer used to locate the three remaining tickets in America. Gum-chewing brat Violet Beauregard, who embodies braggart slash obnoxiousness, uh, finds a ticket, and the man whispers again into her ear. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, and, okay. and we, like, in theory, as we pointed out, she might be considered similar to, like, Veruca Salt, but she is definitely more the competitiveness. Like, her father is a used car salesman. He's constantly trying to plug his own business. And it's kind of like one of those things where this is that variant of just trying to, like, always be the best at something. Yeah, yeah she's right. competitive and Veruca is more, like, entitled. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. And it's become very obvious to me by this point, even when I was, like, much younger than now. That, like, we're going for a seven deadly sins type of thing. Yes. Mm. Yes, very much that. Mm. I don't know. Another anime. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Charlie's mom is doing the wash. Uh, You know what that means. The classic fast-forward section of the movie, erasing Cheer Up Charlie. How do we feel about Cheer Up Charlie? It's fine. It's a song. I liked it. I always fast-forwarded it. Uh, Watching it on TV, I had no way to skip it. Um, so I never could. You couldn't You couldn't bear to skip it? But I feel like, and I'm not positive, I feel like in certain TV edits they do just cut past that part. 
Yeah. I, I'm not sure, but I think I've heard that before. I feel I, like I loved a ballad, so I was there. I feel like it's a little long, mm. but I like the spirit. Okay. Yeah. Because, um, mm-hmm. because it's the season, because another song that always had that example was the, the one from Muppets Christmas Carol, like when oh, love... The bell song. That people, like... I love that bell it, song. And then it was gone for, like, a couple decades. It's like, where were we yesterday or something? Yeah, yeah it's like... Well, I, or when what, love is gone. When love when is gone, was, yeah. I was close. And now I think it's restored, <laughs> but it was it was missing for, like, a long time because they cut it out of, mm-hmm. uh, like, the reprints of it or whatever. So mm-hmm. it, it, it gave off, to kid me, similar vibes to that song. Yeah. So we get another ticket in American Southwest, found by Mike TV, played here by Paris Theremin, and Best Mom, Mrs. TV, played here by Dodo Denny. Dodo Denny. Dodo Denny, icon. Almost Gene Stapleton, who is a theater icon at that point, um, uh, was a noted brat on set. So, like, this kid was a noted brat on set. He fucked around with people. He found out. And even Gene Wilder was like, fuck that kid. Mm. Oh. I do not like him. So it sounds like they cast him well. Yeah. That's kind of so his when interviewed for the 30th anniversary special edition in 2001, Wilder stated that he enjoyed working with most of the child actors, but said that they, uh, he and the film crew had some problems with Paris Thurman. Uh, Wilder recalled, oh, he was a little brat. <laughs> he then addressed them indirectly. Now, if you're watching this, you know that I love you, but you were a troublemaker then. Uh, an example of Thurman's misbehavior was releasing bees from a beehive on Wonka's three-course gun machine. Bees? <laughs> As life mirrored one of the morals of the movie, Stuart remembers, one of the bees stung him. American violence. That's all I wrote down on there. Um... That man again. Only one ticket left. Grandpa Joe spent his tobacco money on one more bar. No ticket. Um, I bet these golden tickets are, make the chocolate taste bad, says Charlie. Yeah, so besides from, like, the Cheer Up Charlie song, like, Charlie is trying to keep, like, a happy face for everyone. Like, he kind of... He kind of, <laughs> he kind of breaks down for his mom at that one point, like, where he's obviously sad. But around Grandpa Joe, he's like, it's fine. Like, yeah. it's... I'm not, you know... He's trying to, like, seem mature, I think. Yeah. Uh, Case of Wonka Bars auctioned Your Majesty, so we get like the Queen is even getting on this game over here. Mm-hmm. Um, kidnappers negotiating for Wonka Bars. This is my favorite scene in the movie. It's like it, it, we get this woman looks like your husband's been kidnapped. They want your Case of Wonka Bars. Give me an hour. <laughs> yeah. I need to think it through. Um, uh, how long would they give me to think it over? One ticket in Paraguay, South America. Well, I'll imagine if actual adults won this. Mm. Which Heather brought up. She's like, you know, no adults win this little candy craze going on. Yeah, it just seems very unlikely to me that it would be all children around the same age that purchase these candy bars. Mm. Yeah. And then, but, but it is like shifty for a reason because we don't even get like a little cutaway to Slugworth or anything. It's just... Oh, this this is the suspected man who won the ticket in Paraguay. Uh, so Paraguay, 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 Paraguay. I apologize. Um, so Paraguay. But for a little for a little while, the collect you know Charlie and the collective world's hopes are dashed because they think the final ticket has been found. Yeah, uh, Charlie has no more hope, and he cries at his dreams being shattered because Grandpa Joe is like, "Oh, that boy doesn't have any hope left." Yeah, they say it very Give loudly. Give him some hope. <laughs> 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 While well, he's like, crying above them. Yeah. <laughs> the same room. Like, in the corner. Let let also, 
Talk about a pick me kid. He thought he would be one of five or six yeah, to win worldwide. World. I mean, a lot of white kids won. He's not even lucky <laughs> in his town, let alone in the whole world. Yeah, I don't know. Weird vibe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, back in school, learning about percentages. How many did you open, Charlie? Just two. <laughs> yeah, where the teacher can't do two out of <laughs> one thousand. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's too hard. <laughs> uh, Charlie is wandering the gutter and finds a nickel of a sovereign based on Wonka. Yeah, which uh, you, you said you looked up the trivia. It could be yeah. the same sovereign that was tossed in the gutter at that point. And I said, damn, slow down, kid, but maybe just one more. You like hands the sovereign to this candy maker and then is like, oh, I'll give you a little more of my change. And he goes, I'll give you what you, you're gonna get. Well, he's like, I'm gonna buy a bar <laughs> for my grandpa to return the favor of him buying the bar for Grandpa me. Joe doesn't taste that bar. I'm sorry. Call that tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> but with one quarter, he bought two chocolate bars? <laughs> one quarter? It was a different actually. time. A sovereign, actually. I don't even know what that means. It was the <laughs> 1970s. Must have been a dollar. Europe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in that day a and age, you could, coin. Buy, you could buy like a house for 50 cents. A second cents. Julia dollar. <laughs> 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 one second, a buffalo <laughs> nickel. <laughs> Half dollar. Yeah. But maybe just one more news breaks that it was a scam and still there's one more ticket out there. And then we get the iconic scene with Charlie discovering the golden ticket and nearly getting murdered for it. And I have to ask you, was this an iconic scene in your childhood? Yeah, I, I was uh, tense watching him open that up in front of everybody. Yeah. Like, just go home. I understand why he was a little eager beave. But, like, and he tried to cover it up, sort of. That lady calls him out. She's like, you, she goes, you got it, baby! Yeah, no, I, I would be worried about the mom, away, like, honey. tearing you apart for that ticket. And they almost do. But then, Damn, like, Brian's got the chocolate bar! Punch him in the face! But then, like, the one guy is like, I'll hold him off. Kill I'll hold him off, run home. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, Good thing he befriended that newspaper salesman. Yeah. The newspaperman. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Charlie's got the ticket, but when he's running through the spooky tunnel on his way home, yeah. Slugworth, Slugworth gets him. Yeah. Slugworth and slugs on out. Yeah, he goes, you know, you've, you've got a great thing here. I want you to get me the everlasting gobstopper that Wonka's been working on. Mm. Yeah, so and presumably that's the same offer he's been making to all the kids around the world, but yeah. he's, again, engaging in corporate espionage, seemingly. So. Yeah. Uh, Charlie is frothing on the mouth, and Grandpa Joe is so overcome with joy, he snaps out of bed. Heather? I am sorry. <laughs> if you have been laying in bed for 20 years, I'm no medical doctor, but your muscles would be so atrophied. You, there's no way you'd be walking. Hmm. I was in a wheelchair for two months, and I needed a physical therapist on standby the first time I stood up. Yes. So, I mean, it's just insane. Also... No clotting medications, laying down for 20 years. No way you wouldn't have deep vein thrombosis and instantly have a pulmonary embolism <laughs> when you stand up. We're all just listening. We're like, yes, yes. I don't know. They tried somewhat to think it through by putting the bedpans there, but I'm not buying it, Gia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, presumably they got up to utilize the bedpan. Well, uh, my... What's always been my headcan is that Grandpa Joe was just lying about not being able to move, and he probably strolled yeah. his way to the gentleman's club frequently yes. <laughs> to uh, buy chocolate. And for the sake of the scene, he fakes not being able to stand up immediately. 
Uh, but, you know, he, we see him do a dance. I've got a golden ticket, that iconic song. I, like, I'm assuming that he was, that knowing who Grandpa Joe is, he was faking it the whole time. Yeah, and he but was just fine. But also... Scamming that, that disability check. Yeah. 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 I have always felt bad for Mrs. Bucket. Mm. Yeah. Like, she's working her ass off. Stirring laundry. Stirring to make cabbage, cabbage water. soup and, yeah. for <laughs> the fam. And then all of a sudden, this guy can just jump up and... <laughs> jump up? Charlie isn't even like, oh, let me take my mom. She works hard for this family. It's, yeah. let me take my grandfather, who's probably going to have a pulmonary embolism halfway <laughs> through the tour. I just don't get it. She was robbed. Yeah. Where's her story? It, and it does, yes. it does contrast him with the rest of the kids who do, of course, like pick the most doting parent to go with them but usually that parent like volunteers themselves to go and mm-hmm. grand like charlie chooses grandpa joe so that there's probably something in there that's like a i don't know another point for charlie but i'm not i never thought about it yeah. i don't know i think grandpa joe kind of picked himself when he got out of that bed yeah yeah he said i <laughs> he said i want a golden ticket he said i manifested this yeah. and so i get to go he does say i got a golden ticket so. i agree with that so before wilder was officially cast as willy wonka producers considered fred astaire joel gray ron moody and john uh pertwee who are all broadway actors um uh spike milligan was Roald Dahl's original choice but <laughs> that didn't fall out. Uh, Peter Sellers reportedly begged Dahl for the role. All six members of Monty Python, Graham Chapman, uh, uh, John Cleese, reportedly begged Dahl. Uh, sorry, Eric Idle, Terry Gilliman, uh, Terry Jones, and Michael Pollion all like begged him for the role as well. Mm-hmm. Um, expressed interest in playing Wonka, but at the time they were deemed not big enough names for an international audience. Um, Joel Grey was the front runner for the part, but director Mel Stewart decided he was not physically imposing enough for at an actor's height, um, being five foot five. Um, interesting because Grey was filming Fozzie's Cabaret at the same stage at the same time. Uh, Grey would go on to win the Oscar, and Fozzie always came down to the Charlie set to yell at them that they were going over time and over budget. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they were filmed at the same time, Cabaret and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Go to figure. Um, the producers learned that Fred Astaire wanted the part, but the 72-year-old may have considered himself too old. Um, Wilder was deemed the perfect Wonka after his audition, hired basically on the spot. When Wilder was cast as Wonka, he accepted the role on one condition. When I make my first entrance, I'd like to come out of the door carrying a cane and then walk toward the crowd with a limp. After the crowd sees Willy Wonka as a cripple, uh, they all whisper to themselves and then become deathly quiet. Quiet. Uh, as I walk toward them, my cane sinks into the to the the cobblestones. I, I'm walking on and stand straight up by itself, but I keep on walking until I realize I no longer have the cane. I start to fall forward, and just before I hit the ground, I do a beautiful forward somersault and bounce back up to great applause. Yeah. So, he did this whole little thing. Yeah, I think I remember reading at one point that that was like a condition of Gene Wilder taking the role. Yeah, and, and he, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh well, then Stewart was like, uh, this was like the famous little exchange. Is like, why would you do that? And Wilder's explanation was like, from that point on in the film, 
both the characters in universe and the audience are not going to know if Willy Wonka is a charlatan or if he's constantly lying to them, mm. uh, you know, or what his deal is. Mm. So it keeps the air of mystery going throughout the entire thing. So we get real surprise for everyone there, genuine reactions, murder on his mind. <laughs> you know, uh, meeting the kids and parents, uh, John Cocteau hands being like snatching the, the hats and coats off of them. Mm -hmm. It's very film imagery that's going on there. Uh, strike that, reverse that. Uh, a factory of horrors plus a binding contract torturing these people. Uh, that's the way we came in. He's getting bigger, entering the chocolate room. Everything is edible, pure imagination. We have to discuss amongst ourselves. This chocolate room, it's a big topic. Well, it's a health nightmare, uh, but it would still be pretty cool if something like that could work and be maintained in real life. Yeah, the director gave explicit instructions not to allow the child actors to see the chocolate room set until the day of the shoot that occurred, and the child actors, um, you know, responded thusly. The exception was Julie Dawn Cole as, um, I think she's Veruca, uh, Golf gave her a sneak preview because she's so spoiled. He's like, oh, she'll know what's exactly going on here at that point. Interesting. Okay. Um, about a third of the props in the chocolate room were edible. Wait, hold on. That was a deliberate thing they did because she's spoiled, so yeah. she would have an like, She would advantage. have, like, a little advantage over the other hmm. kids. Yeah. So she, yeah, she, I mean, she wouldn't react as enthusiastically yeah. to it's go with her parents. an interesting creative choice. Yeah. 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 The inedible items included giant gummy bears that were plastic. The ears were edible, however. Because once someone Heather. does bite them, yeah. Uh, Heather, care to discuss how you feel about the scene? Entering this chocolate room where everything almost is edible? First of all, one third is not almost everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but also, the mushroom. Yeah. I have thoughts. Uh. I just, I can't with the cream scooping. Which Dan has included in his art, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made sure to. I didn't know. I didn't know that that was a point of contention, <laughs> but though. I just did put the mushroom But you did it anyway, so <laughs> it's iconic. So here's the thing, okay? Mushrooms are fungi. Yeah. Fungi have stuff like mold on them. So the way she's just scooping the cream off Mike TV's mom and eating it, it implies that she's eating some sort of weird creamy mold, mm. and it has made me get the ick since I was a child. To the point where every time I've watched this movie, I have fast-forwarded through her eating the mushroom. Because it's mm. so disgusting to me. Mm. I have strong feelings. I know. It, it's gotta just be like... It is just butter. I, I could see that, you know, uh, it's developing butter cream. A, like butter cream. Like, yeah. but I, 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 I could see butter cream. If you have a thing with like, you know, is is probably a good safety response to not scoop things out of holes. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say maybe you have that hole. Like, yeah, the, the tryptophobia. The tryptophobia. Yeah. 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 Maybe. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I. It's not as gross to me when. One of the kids is like scooping jelly out of that melon thing. Yeah. See, I find that, that more was, disturbing. That was the more disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually kind of like. I would not. The, I would not scoop melon. Uh, I thought the mushroom looks kind of appetizing. Yeah, but the the, the, yeah. the thing with like the weird like yeah. like the molasses kind yeah. of scooping was. I don't that like was that. The one I didn't like. You know, Grant and I agree. Yeah. 
you know? Again, I would eat the colorful tree. <laughs> You'd eat everything. I would eat it down, but I well, I would go right towards that big, colorful candy tree. I also like that wax buttercup. Uh, yeah. So, mm. uh, my next note is a teacup flower made out of wax, actually just made out of wax for Gene Wilder at this point, but had to do a couple takes doing that. But I also feel like they missed a, a physical comedy mm. moment by not having someone bite one of the things that isn't edible. Yeah, like a railing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just gnaw the railing. No, not that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't tell me that like an idiot kid like Augustus Gloop wasn't dumb enough to do that. I always wondered that as a kid, like what what was the percentage like in canon? What was the Dad percentage? said I would know a railing. Yeah, I would try to eat the railing, but it, but that might have been because we're assuming you know the brick is part of the actual factory, but then everything is everything Some else. Jackie O munching on steel. Yeah. <laughs> who, who needs knows? teeth? <laughs> So then we get the introduction of the Oompa Loompas. Uh, are they paid for their work? No. No, and the way that it was described <laughs> no. had big slave energy. Yeah. yeah. In the book, they're paid in cocoa beans, but... <laughs> in Wonka, they're paid in cocoa beans as yeah, well. Yeah, they're, they're adults. Oh, are they? There. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question that maybe someone will know the answer to. Mm. So I'm pretty sure I read that... All of the Oompa Loompas are one person that are just like duplicated. They look I, not, in, not in this movie, in the Tim Burton one. Yeah, in the Tim Burton one, they're all played by. Uh, is it oh, Deep Roy? Deep, or? Deep yeah, Roy. Deep Roy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, they're, they're all identical when they do their whams. I love songs. how we all knew that. We're like, Deep Roy, yes. We've got it, yes. Yes, we all. Why uh, do we all know that? Because that's us, baby. Three hours of this podcast, yes. Were they supposed to be small, like IRL, or did they just look small? No, I think they are small IRL. They are. That's the way they've been portrayed. Yeah. Interesting. For this one, yeah. But I looked at their faces because I thought the same thing. Yeah. But they had different faces. Yeah, and this in this one they all are different. Like there's because there's not that many. It's it's just like. Five or six of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's like five yeah. different yeah. actors. Yeah, yeah. That I can tell. But the camera doesn't really dwell on it, so it does create the illusion that there's like, you know, a whole workforce here. But. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we get that I'm a teacher of geography. Can it, you knit? There's no such thing as Umbulable Land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Augustus is going for a swim. Ever fired a gun, Charlie? And I have to ask us this is our first question. Have which you ever kid fired a gun? Oh. do you identify with? The most. But you answered for me. I'm Veruca Salt. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind. According to you, I'm Augustus. So. <laughs> that's, like that's, that's that's no I have doubt to, in my mind. That's what I have well. to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, you are Augustus. <laughs> Gabe? Uh, I'm Charlie. <laughs> in <Yeah>. what universe? <laughs> I think you're Violet. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, okay. Heather? I've always considered myself more of a violet. Okay. And Grant? I guess that leaves Mike TV. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Dan would be Mike TV and you would be Charlie. You know what, though? I can see that. No, yeah. I, I don't want to be Charlie. And we each meet every one of the kids. <laughs> I will say, you do live in Texas, so yeah. you being the gun yeah, wielder kind of tracks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to know. That's Cold all. 45. <laughs> uh, the Oompa Loompas sing their first of many morality songs. The shot is very weird. The Wonkatania. 
Um, so then we get like the scene that scarred us as children and adults. The tunnel of wonder, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they they you know uh, Willy Wonka delivers a very chilling monologue like uh, the rowers keep on rowing. There's no way of knowing there's where no we're going. Obviously, way of knowing. And there's a lot of like violent imagery flashed across the screen, like a you know a centipede crawling over someone's mm-hmm. mouth. As you I, said, that traumatized that, you, yeah. Uh, like a like a chicken or, or something getting. Well, yeah, I was never really like scared of this scene, but I didn't like the centipede, and then there's the chicken getting beheaded. I was yeah. more scared of Squall- Slugworth. When Slugworth yeah. shows up, yeah, he just pops out of nowhere. Yeah. I was scared. I don't think I ever actually. I like the chameleon. Paid attention as a kid. <laughs> To like what There's was happening on oh, that yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah me either. I think it was just oh. like spooky, scary <laughs> yeah. vibes. Yeah, like and the lights it. and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever noticed like the beheaded chicken and centipede until mm. I was older. Mm. Watch it in 4K. Yeah. But it like even if it is a weird moment, it definitely just fits within Wonka's character that he's gonna like. You, like, you don't know, like, you could be descending into hell in this factory, and that's his whole vibe that he's... Yeah. This is all about, like, disorienting everyone. And so. none of the cast had any idea that that was going on. And, yeah, and it shows, because they're, like, visibly freaking out as it happens, so... Uh, the inventing room, the construction of the original inventing room was meant to be an industrial room with steel tubes. Uh, Stewart envisioned it differently as the Wacky Inventor's Lavatory with Rube Goldberg-type mechanisms and unusual contraptions and wanted it redesigned to be with, uh, like, or adjacent to Wonka's personality. Um, I don't remember any Rube Goldbergs in there. I feel like the... I remember it was a mess. I feel like the gum machine is a Rube Goldberg machine. Right? Mm. It, like, goes through all these weird steps. And the Gobstopper machine is just under tarps. Yeah. yeah. It's just like uh, a guy, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pumping at the It's frame. a series of puppets. Yeah. Like. It truly felt like Tubby Custard. Yeah. Flying out it in It a was moment. giving Tubby Custard. Uh, Geoff sent his construction crew into Munich searching for junkyards, bankeries, bakeries, and car dealers uh, for discarded machinery, uh, tin funnels, and any other raw materials. Um, but Stewart requested an appliance whose operations had a visual experience for the uh, audience. Um, we get exploding candy. It gives a kick at this point. Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, iconic quotes. Um, Ogden Nash. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a quote from something that he says there. Well, yeah, because he's like keeps uh, dropping quotes. He's like, ding a ding a ding a springtime, and I think that's Ogden Nash. Yeah. I don't. I'm not sure for sure. Um, and then he reveals, like, the uh, everlasting gobstopper, where every child gets one and that ends hunger forever. Well, it lasts forever. Like, you can you can pop it in and it will never lose its flavor. Yeah, Charlie's buffalo nickel would have fed him for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. He'd have a sweet. <laughs> but. A sweet treat. A sweet treat. <laughs> next year. Next year. For next me. year. <laughs> I gotta say, eatable, eatable a too treat, sweet, some may say. Treatable yeah. candy you munch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that that's an economically very smart idea, though. Why not, Heather? If you could buy one candy with 25 cents and never have to buy candy again, yeah, you'd but, go out of business. Yeah, but at the same time, people wouldn't be hungry, Heather. 
for candy. Like cares about profit. Um, sucking on a jawbreaker <laughs> doesn't make you full. What about those big Ed Ned Eddie jawbreakers? Yeah, where it, like takes up the size there of you, your head. There you go. Or the, there's no. some. That's like some TV candy. I always yeah, want. There you go. There you go. The movie jawbreaker. Ooh, smile courtly. Yeah. <laughs> Iconic. Um, but, but then we get uh, Agnes Nash, the everlasting gobstopper. Every child that gets one, uh, clearly going to share with Slugworth these bad kids are going to do. Uh, three courses in her gum, Violet snatches it. She's like, I feel tomato soup running down my gullet. Yeah, yum, then, yum, uh, yum. Roast beef dinner with a baked potato. Yeah. But then the problem comes with the dessert. The is... most delicious blueberry pie I've ever had. Exactly. Violet, you're turning. Violet, Violet. There you go. And she turns into a big blueberry. A big bloob. <laughs> She's all juiced up. <laughs> the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Yeah. The one point of credit I give the Tim Burton one mm. is that they do include like that little that it's like literally a minute long scene where when they go up in the Wonka Vader you see the four bad kids like yeah. walking out and then Violet's like shrunk from the blueberry juice, but she's still blue, and then Mike TV's, like, stretched to, like, a Slenderman-type yeah. build, yeah. and then Augustus is, like, covered in burnt chocolate, like he's sealed in it, or something, and then, I forget what, uh, Veruca is, she's is... She's just, like, in, tr like, covered in trash. Or yeah. yeah. I like that. Like, that would have been, I mean, obviously they couldn't do that at the time, well, but... You know, maybe we should read the book. It's in the book, too. We're on a podcast. We can't stare at each other. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she <laughs> Gotta speak into the mic. Yeah. Uh, as she feels it sliding down her throat, uh, she blows up. Gotta get her juiced. Another one bites the dust. Where's fancy bread? In the heart or in the head? William Shakespeare did. Mm -hmm. If you would have read. That almost yeah. rhymed. But you did. Through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got lickable wallpaper. <laughs> um, and it was just regular wallpaper. It wasn't lickable of any sort. It just tasted of wallpaper. I didn't like having to see the tongue work that was being done by. You Grandpa know, I love a, I love a good tongue job, so I'm nope. fine with that. Bad, yeah. not Give good. Give me a lick. Any day. Well, you know, in real life, it was just regular wallpaper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they said, "You know, what'd be funny?" Yeah, <laughs> that was acting. <laughs> we get Snozberry. Who's ever heard of a Snozberry? We are the ma music makers. We are we the dreamers of dreams. dreams. Yeah, uh, Grandpa Joe and Charlie steal some fizzy lifting drinks. Uh, did we not see what just happened? Maybe don't do that? Well, yeah, and, and notably, Grandpa Joe kind of takes Charlie aside, you know, out of view of Wonka. The instigator. He's the instigator, yeah. and he's like, you know, let's just try this. I I like pop. And then he, he, they drink some. <laughs> I like Coke, Charlie. Let, let's do a line. You know who pop? wouldn't have done that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, pop? Where are you from, Dan? Well, I'm you putting say, myself I in line. Like you say pop? I, Are you from the Midwest? Pop? I wouldn't say pop. Oh, okay. I, I would say cola, but I'm putting myself in the mindset of the cola. cola. <laughs> you would say cola, like, Fra like Frankie from One Piece. You, you yeah. wouldn't say soda. I would say soda. Yeah, I would say both. He's going back and forth. Like I can't a fucking... get used to pop as a term. Yeah, everyone says it in Ohio. It always gives me <laughs> the heebie-jeebies. It, it it's weird. Like, I went out with my coworkers, I order a Diet Coke, and they go, Heather, your Diet Pop never arrived. <laughs> no! <laughs> well, then there's some people who call it Coke. All sodas are Coke. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's I, I want a Coke, Coke what kind? <laughs> snorted. Foul. But go on, Dan. What were we talking about? We, yeah. we were, 
like I, no, I I would say soda and cola interchangeably, but only cola because of One Piece, mm. because anime podcast. But I I don't. <laughs> Jonathan Jonathan swerved off path to insult oh, me, and now oh, he's lost his place oh, in the script. Oh, that's his hubris. That's his little yoga lesson. It's fine. Snozberry. That's where his scale is missing. <laughs> all I'm saying is that. Wait, hold on, hold on. Bad egg. We're all the way down to the. <laughs> all I'm saying is that. Yeah, the past the bad egg. We were no, saying we that we didn't have them getting chopped yeah, up by the. That part. By oh, the, we didn't get there the yet. Grandpa Joe Interesting, took yeah. a risk, yeah. and you know who would not have taken a risk. Mrs. Bucket. She would not. She would have said, let's move on to the next room. And you know who would have instantly gotten the candy at the end? Charlie. Charlie. Grandpa Joe was the temptation to Charlie's Christ. <laughs> the apple to the Eden. <laughs> <laughs> but they they burp themselves back down to the ground. And yes. they, they join the rest of the cast uh, with nobody, seemingly nobody noticing uh, in the Golden Goose room, if you want to take it from yeah. No, your iconic scene. Your... Yo, you allow me to take your iconic scene. <laughs> My notes, you allow me to take it from there, Dan, huh? We're just getting this podcast back on track. <laughs> yeah. We're in the squirrel room. Gooses. The, the, the Wonkatania. <laughs> Gooses. So, then we get the Wonka Wars. <laughs> No, what? no, we're the, the geese. geese. The geese. Oh the my geese. God. The geese have gone through. We haven't we, gotten that's the geese. After well, the burping. Why don't you describe the Are geese? Are you then? well? No, so, I'm not. I'll, I'll leave it to me. <laughs> so, okay, so they come Shut to the up. golden geese room. Where there are uh, the the geese are laying the golden eggs that I think make like excellent chocolate babies. You, you wrap them, <laughs> but also well, the omelets. Ones probably have yes, babies. but also omelets somehow. <laughs> yeah, but you know uh, they, they're. They're laying the eggs. Uh, the rotten ones go down like the the garbage chute. Uh, Have fun. Is, uh, <laughs> Veruca is you know uh, gets her famous musical number about how you know she wants one now. Uh, her father is is very you know always agreeable to her. Uh, Jonathan's going to go drop a golden egg right now probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but Veruca gets her famous I Want It Now song. Uh, she literally starts bullying the Oompa Loompas. She throws their <laughs> shit around. She throws, like, a cart into them and knocks over packaging. Yeah. Uh, she's very... She escalates it to a point that we <laughs> she, hadn't seen. She, she escalates it. <laughs> she escalates the situation. Um... But then, you know, at the at the finale of the musical number, she gets on one of the egg shoots, she's deemed a bad egg, and she falls down the tube into uh, what Wonka reveals to be, you know, the main garbage incinerator. Uh, and once again, Wonka very uh, dismissively is like, hopefully that burner isn't turned on today, uh, you know, so her fate is unknown. And Mr. Salt, you know, ever following his daughter's whims, attempts to go after her to save her. But he soon falls down the garbage chute as well, also being a bad egg. And we get the third song, this one being about spoiling your kids. Um, so, quick question. Do we think that the egometer thing <laughs> can actually measure the goodness of people? Or were they just deemed bad eggs because people are not eggs? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. That's yeah. rough. How is it calibrated? <laughs> right, like what is good versus bad, right? Well, back from my piss, I agree. That <laughs> piss? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we got through the Veruca scene. <laughs> no, I agree. But but Heather brought up the Kingdom Hearts point of like, does the machine sense the darkness in your heart and then send you down to the garbage? Yes. Chute? Or is it just waited for? No. <laughs> for eggs. I, for I eggs. think <laughs> the machine yes. senses the darkness. The candy the factory in me yeah. is thinking it's waited for eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I and agree. they were like, it's just like, this is not an egg. Yeah. Bad. Bad. Bad nut. Bad egg. But uh, with, you know, uh, Veruca and her father gone, uh, they come to the fourth main attraction, uh, which is the Wonka Vision. Uh, and in this case, Willy Wonka <laughs> is, is working on a way to transmit chocolate quite physically well, and literally. Well, hold on. We, did, we, um, we didn't do the, uh, the Wonka, Wonka Wash. Yeah. Oh, yeah, where was the Wonka Wash? <laughs> the uh, scene. The Wonka you didn't get that in my we notes, We didn't do huh? the uh, bang, uh, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Where's yeah. the Wonka Wash, Dan? Yeah, Dan, where's the Wonka Wash? Thought, <laughs> where's the Wonka Wash? Interesting. Well, okay, uh, Mrs. You take my notes for granted, huh? Mrs. Why'd you read? Mrs. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. I can do it take a piss, but... <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. TV uh, is tired of walking. So, uh, <laughs> so she wants to walk a wash. Willy Wonka very arbitrarily says we can take the Wonka mobile ten feet across the room. <laughs> uh, they get in, it sprays them with foam, and then they go through the Wonka wash. It cleans them off. Nothing of consequence happens, and they go to the next room. No, something of consequence happens. It's the first shower that Grandpa Joe has had in twenty years. That's true. Yeah. Okay. In twenty years. I've been washed. But then they they come to the Wonka Vision room, where Wonka presumably plans to transmit candy directly to the people. Uh, around the world using the television radiation waves. Yeah, yeah probably uh, radiation. I said Cronenberg. Yeah. Probably tastes like electricity. You when taste you... that, you turn into <laughs> something else, yeah. Or like TV static when you bite into it. Yeah. Uh, but he does demonstrate it by sending a Wonka bar that is giant. <laughs> it materializes in a TV at the correct size, and you can reach in and grab it if mm. you wish. Yeah. Uh, and Mike TV... Uh, because for some reason the Wonka Vision machine has a button that you can press from the pedestal that operates. Yeah. Uh, Self-transmit. This was appropriate for him. So that the chocolate bars can yeah. transmit yeah. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, The chicken nuggets can tap on the button. Mike TV is atomized. Uh, it's sent across the room. And that's where uh, it wasn't Willy Wonka speaking. It was Gene Wilder being no, like, No, this was yeah, Oppenheimer's this... doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he, he, he is molecularly reassembled back inside the TV, but he is obviously very tiny now. Um, and, you know, his, his mom is, is despondent over this. Uh, she puts him uh, in her purse, and Wonka directs them to go to the taffy puller room, yeah. which should be enough to stretch him back to mm-hmm. a reasonable size. Yes. Uh, but at that point now, Charlie is the only... Seemingly the only candidate left. Yeah, he's yeah. left. Um, end of the tour, and Wonka's pissed. Uh, Stewart also instructed uh, Goff to have all his props, furniture, and fittings, excluding the light bulbs in Wonka's original office, to be cut in half, which I know is a big debate amongst our team mm-hmm. that everything's cut in half. But um, why is that? Like, I, what was the choice for? I feel like it's a half his. It's meant to show his like mental state. It's like haphazard, half there, half not. Yeah, like half in fantasy, half in reality, or just like halfway there, or, you know, however you want to, or, or not altogether there, literally not altogether there, but. Uh, similarly, when um, 
Peter Ostrom and Charlie, or as Charlie, and Jack Albertson as Grandpa Joe, um, rehearsed the scene with Gene Wilder. It was a very calmer tone. Mm -hmm. Like, he did at first, he's like, I'm going to be very calm when I do this, but then when they did it in the final take, he was very pissed off at them. You get nothing. Like, you lose! lose. <laughs> Good day, sir! Um, you get nothing. Uh, it was so traumatic that he wanted the audience's reaction to be authentic. It, yeah, and it works. Yeah. I, I think even the other actors, like, you can tell on their faces yeah, that they're and, surprised. I mean, I have to ask, would we pass the Charlie Bucket test? Would we give the Everlasting Gobstubber back... I don't understand why that was the expected end point. I mean... He's a good boy. But just because... Like, you were if, never expected to give it back, though, right? He was just like, don't let anybody else... Right. But I feel like if you were expected not to give it to anyone else, you would give it back. Yeah. What? No. Well, yes. So... It's like, it's like a, it was like a morality test. Like, it was just yeah. like to... Like, okay, you're gonna walk away with this... With, with nothing... Uh, you know, you could stand to sell this to Slugworth in profit, mm -hmm. but Charlie proves that he is, he is, you know, Good. he gets Wonka's vibe at this point, and he's not going to do it, because ultimately Wonka wants someone to be his chocolate factory successor, and you have to be a moral person <laughs> to do that, I guess, so yeah. Yeah, but if, if he were to have just taken this gobstopper home, mm -hmm. and not given it to anybody... And just kept it in the safety of his own home. How is that immoral? He would have given away to someone though. That was like the whole deal, Heather. Well, and even Grandpa Joe is like, if if you know, I'm gonna get revenge on Wonka no matter yeah. what. Yeah. So I I assume okay. Grandpa Joe being Grandpa Joe would have tried to sell it. Grandpa Joe would have convinced regardless him. of it. Now it that like, he's I, mobile. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so he like he assumed that the adult in the life. Would I know Gabe would have given that everlasting gobstopper to someone. I know. Grant would have given <laughs> everlasting gobstop for someone. Yeah, yeah. Realistically, I would yeah. plan to sell it and then never I would figured. do it. And then Dad and I would be the good boys that wouldn't give it to anyone. Yeah, but I, because <laughs> I, I live my life in fear of like those YouTube me, Buzzfeed me moments where me it's too. a secret test of character, and I would assume that that's a secret test of character. And I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna be caught yeah. on film. Juan Quinones walks out. Exact, what would you do? The Catholic yeah. guilt. Yeah, exactly. And I would, you know, and then people would. The Catholic guilt within me would prevent me from doing that. Yeah, so, so it's yeah. we would have to put it back. Yeah. Because otherwise you risk cancellations. <laughs> but anyways, Charlie's wins. He he goes into the uh, the great glass elevator. How does it land? I don't... That's a sequel to the books, baby. You better read, honey. Can Grandpa Joe come too? He's old. I don't okay. think he's in there in the books. Uh, there is a sequel to the book. <laughs> I think he is in there in the book. In the book. I don't know, but he he straddles into the stratosphere and then it's done. But Charlie's going to inherit the factory. Wonka right. wanted someone who I guess would follow his wishes, mm. which is phrased weirdly. But it's, it's weird because like, he he's like I w I don't didn't want an adult because they would do things their own way, but I yeah. want a child because they'll do things exactly because I can I groom them. Yes, yeah. which in retrospect is like back to the pedophile thing. Right, Wonka, but <laughs> yeah. But it is a whimsical ending where it's like Charlie and his family will, you know, be happy running a uh, whimsical chocolate factory. Yes. yes. For the time mm -hmm. being. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, we've done it. We did. We did two movies. We did it, Joe. Yeah. We did it, Joe. Grandpa Joe. Whatever you want to call upon. Any George final and Georgina. thoughts? Yeah. Any final thoughts upon this movie? Movie series? Two movies? 
love them both. Yeah. Uh, one for for very different <laughs> reasons. <laughs> Gabe, uh, let me go. <laughs> I give this one a a three point nine oats out of five. Oh, you're okay. not bowing to us this year, so <laughs> interesting. Wait, so what would you have rated The Hobbit? Oh, I would I give that a three. A three? Okay, I thought you were gonna give it higher than William. No, after I Thank aired, you, after I aired a couple years ago and gave we five out of five swords. We to need Heather every year. <laughs> Wait, that's all I'm saying. What, what year was that? What did you? Well, there was what was the movie? It was uh, mm. the first one that we watched two or three years ago. Oh my god! Yes. And I gave it like a five out of five you out of the did. gate. I remember because it was, like, I, it it was, was my like first the year. Angela Lansbury nun. And then you watched oh, yeah. the oh, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was right. like, I give it a five out of five because I'm Catholic. And I went, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I had to adjust, notch that rating down over time. Oh, I'll be listening. Oh, I remember you giving a rating and Grant going, what? <laughs> <laughs> it may have been that one. Yeah. yeah. But Heather, ratings on the two movies that we watched. I told you I'd give a 3.5 out of 5 gnomes to The Hobbit. <laughs> Excellent. Wonderful. And, um, I don't know. Five mushrooms out of five. Ooh. Wow. Five mushroom dips. <laughs> Creams and all. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. Foul. <laughs> That's a high rating. Grant? I give it five golden tickets out of five. Wow. I don't think you, I mean, I think it's just a really good movie. And The Hobbit doesn't get anything, huh? He already gave, gave it, it two thumbs it. up out of two. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. Two gnomes <laughs> two up out of two. What are our rating systems? I can't take this anymore. Yeah, let's go back to something that makes sense. Can we just get a sense. five out of five basis? Seven, seven pizza no. slices. Yeah. <laughs> no. Five I'll, sovereigns out of five. I'll give The Hobbit three three rings out of five. And I'll give Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, five out of five. Yeah. It's a classic movie. Five out of five for both of them for me too, because it's The Hobbit, oh, just because it's it's entertaining, <laughs> and Willy Wonka because it's Willy Wonka. So we're we're really gonna close this out with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory being five 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 three point nine. That's very Gabe energy, yes. That, that's like a figure skater's yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Gotta respect the scale. Uh, so so that- what's a five out of five for you? <laughs> Kissing Booth Ooh. 3. Saltburn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kissing Booth 3. <laughs> Saltburn. Kissing Booth 3. <laughs> we should do that next Christmas. No. <laughs> Won't be allowed. Any what I would do Saltburn. Any Vanessa Hudgemus movie. Saltburn okay. and our secret it. pick should be allowed. Uh. But with that, we finally adjourned the episode of Anime Is Not a Mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, is, Dan, is there anywhere that our audience can find us on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, X, and threads at ping <laughs> underscore Danis, if you so choose, where I'll try to get artwork up soon. Uh, what about you, Jonathan? Uh, you can find me uh, losing my mind JK on Instagram, drink and read JK on X, and more. Uh, you can follow my other podcast, even though it's not updated, at Drink and Read the Podcast and Nightcaps of the Theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gabe? Do our, do our guests have any Yeah, else? Gabe, where can you, they find you? You could find me at this round table next year. Oh, yeah. Nah. Oh, we're doing that. <laughs> We've got a good pick for you. <laughs> Heather? You can find me in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> you Great. can find her cited on, on academic journals. That's true. You can find me on PubMed. I have <laughs> 10 papers. <laughs> There we go. And Grant. 
You may find me nowhere. <laughs> As always, yes. But we've got another year in stall for you. Mm-hmm. Please tune back in how many weeks are in a year? I've listened to Rent so many times, it's like 52 weeks 50. in a year. Yeah, it's like, yeah. 525,600 yeah. minutes. It's a leap year next year. Well, and I, I think you, you are bringing us some cinema next time we... Oh, uh, yes, yes, yeah. of course. The next time in the episode, we're doing a... Um, um, uh, what do we do with Sinister Six? A uh, good movie podcast. <laughs> and a good movie podcast. Sinister Six double feature. At the feature. same time, which has never been done before. Yeah, we're, we're really... We're bringing as much content as we possibly can. Yeah, before. so please listen. This was Wowie. one of our this is one of our best episodes. I appreciate you all being here. Thank you so much. Definitely, yeah. it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Welcome. <laughs> well, well. God bless us, everyone. everyone. Stock up on your wonky bars. <laughs> Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcasts in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our weave horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go halfies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to be continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs>